0: (laughs) Wish I was really that excited Uh, Yes Yeah, hello Hello, Moshe. (laughs) What's happening Joe? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Sporty sunglasses. I like those. Oh, thanks Well glasses glasses not sunglasses.
1: This is this is how I look they fit your face well. Thanks, man It's a good choice. Joe's been flirting with me since I arrived a little
0: bit (laughs) Casual nothing (laughs) weird just the way you button that shirt all the way up to the top that
1: little top button.
0: Yeah, a jean jacket that Jay Leno's garage look yeah
1: I just came from Jay Leno's (laughs) podcast (laughs) so uh, we were just talking about the fights I'd stopped you before we actually talked we were just feeling like like this is more evidence that we are living in a computer simulation like everything is getting weirder politics is the most bizarre I mean it's everything is falling apart and it's like the matrix programmers can't keep up with the code do you think that maybe
0: like when one or two things go weird Like the election. I think the election, I think having a reality star television host guy who's this media mogul become the president of the United States is so odd to people that I think it gives us this feeling of instability, and that feeling of instability has like a ripple effect, and it starts to fuck with all these other aspects of our reality, and then these blurbs just start popping up and these weirdness
1: well, it's kind of like, rather than it being a, a proof that it's a simulation, this is the most reality we've had in a long time, right? Like we've right. all been living in this, like, pseudo, th- this theater of stability. Well, that that hyper- I'm sure you've talked about hyper-normalization on this podcast before, haven't you?
0: I think we have.
1: The documentary. Yeah. It's real good if people haven't caught up to it yet. It's on YouTube in, it, in its entirety. It's dense. It's not like a light... It's not a light, fun documentary. It's like a three-hour-long British guy droning on to, like, found footage on BBC. Yeah. But his basic point is that, you know, society is unstable and has been for a very long time. That You know, Greenland is melting. We have nukes that can destroy us at any point. And there is no way for the leaders to actually run a functional, st- stable society. So what they do instead is they put up this artifice of stability. Meanwhile, shit is fucking collapsing behind the, the set. And uh, basically, the the prove out example he uses is the Soviet Union, right? Is like the Soviet Union stopped working almost immediately, right? They they tried this utopic, com- communistic, beautiful society, and everything fell apart immediately. Everybody knew it fell apart. Everyone in 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 Russia knew it wasn't working, but it it served them more to pretend that it was working, and so people got into this willful. Uh, Sort of voluntary suspension of disbelief this voluntary cognitive dissonance to like say oh, no everything's good Even though they go to the fucking the store. There's no bread They would just everybody was walking around as if it was real So maybe when somebody like Trump gets elected this fake realness of like everything's good. America's awesome What a wonderful place a utopic society with all these freedoms. Maybe that rips the seam then Anthony Rumble Johnson retires from MMA (laughs) 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 Or something
0: um. Wow, where do you go with that? I think there's always been problems with society, right? I mean, if you go back to ancient Rome, you know, have you ever visited the Colosseum?
1: Yeah, yeah, fascinating, right? It's crazy, yeah. And
0: you, when you think about it, that's only you know you're only talking about a thousand, two thousand years ago, right? Like when did when did it all start
1: in Rome? Uh, w- well, Rome was around for for two thousand years, right? Right. I mean, they were like. 10 times as long as this American superpower has existed. Yeah. So yeah, and they were but the thing is they didn't have the technology to strip mine the world the way we do. Technology right. has now caught up human evil or whatever it is or human avarice has always been probably equal, right? right
0: but my point was that there's never been like any example of a society or a true utopian society That's true. that was like really together, very relaxed, People were nice. There was no war. There was no crime. There was no rape. There was no
1: stealing. The best example of that is hippie communes, right? Because right. They're specifically designed to create a mini utopia, and they always fall apart with the guy at the top fucking everybody's wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every time. It's never not happened.
0: A friend of mine's ex girlfriend grew up in one of those, and she was so fucked up because of it.
1: They're always fucked up. Yeah. They're all the best you'll ever get out of a guy uh, or a girl that grew up in one of those communes is like, um, it was in. There were some really good parts. That's like the t- that's as good as you can get.
0: Yeah, and that's someone who's just really kind <laughs> Yeah, I mean they people always try to re-engineer society like I was I was reading something today about um, uh, Free housing that free housing should be a universal right for people that mm-hmm. everyone should have free housing You know and I was reading this while I was taking a shit, so I didn't go into it too deeply but <clears throat> But immediately I was thinking well who's gonna build the housing like how's that a right? Like you can't have a universal right if some people just don't want to build a house and they don't want to work And they don't want to do anything and they want somebody else to build a house for them That's always gonna be a possibility like
1: sure. Yeah, right. I mean I guess right But what are rights rights are completely constructed, right? I mean sure uh, a lion has no rights
0: alone That's that should be a right The right to privacy
1: Right, But a a lion or a ape has no rights. It's just Mm. an ape getting eaten and fucked by its neighbor Right, so we decided what rights are, so that so the the same idea that says something anything is a right, you could also say, yeah, housing is a right if if society deems that that's true, I guess, or if society has the resources, we do have the resources right that's but, true uh, right
0: i think yeah yeah i would I would imagine we have the rights or the resources rather to house everybody in the co- not in the best way, not in a sweet apartment, but you know I mean
1: just a roof over your head, warmth yeah i I think like. The idea that we I – mean, we're getting way into the theoretics of, like, taxation and civil responsibility. But, yeah. like, the idea that we spend trillions of dollars on a protective military when we are – we've lapped every other military so many times over. Like, we could house every, every homeless person. I mean, there are countries where they don't have homeless people. Right. They just don't. Yeah. I've been to Israel, and it's like people – who are homeless in Israel? Are they are homeless because they're crazy and want to be homeless? Mm. Or my my brother was just in um uh one of those one of those super white countries Switzerland Sweden or something I think it was Switzerland and everybody was like yeah we don't have I mean this is crazy when he told me he was like what's this, what's society like here like it's cool you know we don't have like a uh, poverty so that's cool like they don't have poor people. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not a part of their society. Yeah, is that Switzerland? Is that what it, uh, I, that is? I think it was Switzerland. They yeah. have, you know, they've figured out a way to make money on I the back of I Denmark's kind of like that, too. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, Northern Europe, they, they've done something right, I I think. Well, I think they're also dealing with a very small population
0: of people that have existed for a long time in the same place. Right. And you, you kind of normalize, like... And they've never conquered. They're not conquerors. You know, they're not spreading their
1: resources thin across the globe, making battleships and shit. Right. I was thinking about you on the way over here. I think this is connected. I was thinking about you and the flirtation we were going to be doing. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, because you're bent. I've watched your stand up uh, since Trump got elected. And you and a lot of the guys at the store are, I would say, I always think of the store as like a the libertarian uh Intellectual epicenter of comedy right Mm. and then like if you go to you go east it becomes more and more like socialist Yeah further east you travel right and um, I guess what I don't know the haha. It's like the neocons, but at any rate (laughs) um, I would say your bent is like everything's fucking fine You're 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 making a crisis that doesn't exist and I was wondering do you still think that it's not necessarily really my bent it's the way the bit works
0: <clears throat> now that's a real comedian Yeah A comedian like, Well actually I believe it <laughs> This is one of the things That I say on stage That, Like I say Like I'm, it, like A lot of the stuff I say Is fucked up So If I say anything that's That you don't agree with I don't agree with A lot of shit I say But it's funnier Than what I agree with Like it's Some of the things I say right. I'm c- clearly fucking around And then some of the things I say It's like Where is he Is he on the fence on this Like what's th-? But What a lot of it is is just to set up this idea that the whole system has always been preposterous totally It's just that like it's weird. It's almost our fault right because You take a guy like a Clinton or a guy like an Obama who's fairly successful at the job and people are just constantly trying to find Chinks in the armor, constantly trying to find cracks in who he is. And it was Clinton, and obviously it was the philandering with Obama. There right.
1: was-, was a chink the size of a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> chink sounds like a weird word to use, even if you're not using it in a racist way. It's like way. the word niggardly. Yeah, you, you remember when that yes. dude got in trouble for saying niggardly? Yeah, and they were like, you can't say that word. And it's like, but it's not even el- etymologically connected to the n word. And people were like, mm, yeah. we don't care. It's spelled differently. Yeah, yeah. it's not the same root word. It, they're like, eh, just don't use it. But I feel that way about. Swan Swastikas, do you know those hippie swastikas and the Indian swastikas? Yes, and all these hippies and and like, you know Buddhists are always like yes, it's a different swastika. It's mm. a special swastika. Yeah. It's the good swastika It's like the good witch and the bad witch from the Wizard of Oz right. and I'm like, all right, that's cool Buddhists, but I think you should just abandon the good swastika you got other uh, the ohm you got other shit You could do it was uh, a symbol used in Okinawan karate. Oh, really? Yeah, actually it's Made its rounds, right? Because it yeah. was in India, in, mm-hmm. in uh, uh, like Hindu temples. Okinawa, maybe that's Buddhism, Hinduism to Buddhism to karate. Something yeah, I don't, like
0: that. I don't know where it, where why it was in there, but I remember seeing it a long time ago in a store, like this uh, Okinawan karate book, and there was just like these symbols, and I was like, "This is bizarre! Like a swastika is a part of karate. It might have been reversed. You know, sometimes they do it the opposite mm-hmm. way." But yeah, that symbol's gone. You gotta let that go.
1: Yeah, well, let's just <laughs> abandon that one. You can walk away from that one. You got other symbols. It's like a lot like the Hitler mustache. Like, there's no need. <laughs> We're Got to let it go. Done. I mean, look, Chaplin suffered, but. Yeah. But, uh, Mr., so Mr. Miyagi was like, you know. Wax on, wax off, put that swastika on your shoulder.
0: Isn't it funny that you could just stretch that bitch just a little bit and you're okay? If you just trim it just slightly Oh, you're talking about the outside the, the mustache? Yeah. yeah, as long as it's not the actual Hitler. If you just stretch it slightly mm-hmm. towards the corner of your mouth, you just keep going. Just bring that bitch back like this and you're <laughs> okay.
1: I thought you were being so vulgar for a second and that you just had the most like... Pr- Porno- pornographic thought ever Isn't it crazy If you just stretch that bitch Just a little bit You're just You're okay Just stretch it Stretch it But his mouth I was thinking about a pussy I Oh guess. no no
0: no Wow that's weird That you just went
1: there We're talking about Hitler's mustache Well I get turned on When I think about the Nazis <laughs> I got a real Like some of the synapses In my Jewish brain Got crossed You should call that That's your next special Mouth fucking Hitler <laughs>
0: just str-
2: Stretching Hitler's
0: mouth it's a, But isn't it a weird thing Like that mustache Like it's a There's a certain amount Of space that it can cover On your lip And it's okay as long as it goes far enough left and right, we're like, okay. Well, I mean, the Hitler's haircut is making,
1: had, had a, a huge comeback. That's right, and people get in trouble for that haircut. I was the first guy. I mean, I was on the first wave. I, w- I would say I was in the not the, the first Reich of hipsters reclaiming that haircut. Well, it's like a longer on the side, right?
0: Longer on the side, sort of puffy on the top. I mean, like, it's like you got rock hit right now. I,
1: I used no. This this is I've changed since because it got too cool, and I truly am a hipster. I fall I follow where the trends go. But <laughs> I used to have my, my I used to have a bit about it that I about the dilemma that a Jew has when he's telling a barber what he wants, and the only. The quickest way to describe it is just to say Hitler. So you'd be like, Yeah, I want something, you know, like a kind of old timey, kind of a like a military cut, like a Hitler. Make me look like Hitler. (laughs) The destroyer of my people. Make me look like him. And then the punch the tag was as my grandparents turned over in their shallow, unmarked graves. Anyway. Whoa. Yeah. That's dark, dude. Yeah, it was dark.
0: But my, my point was originally, not really that I had a point, but that when we're chipping away at this thing, like we know that politicians are doing an act. Mm-hmm. We know that they're when, you know, I've always mocked the way they communicate, like the way they give speeches with the long pauses and this very distinct pattern of behavior that's completely alien to anything other than a, a political speech. Like the only way this country survives, you know, like that kind of yeah. strange thing that they do. But when, when we're always like chipping away at that we're always trying to like get to like be real We got get we got to find out what's real and then we get this guy
1: Realer than anyone's ever been yeah, and we're like well fuck this. This is crazy and it scares us That's the point of that documentary we uh-huh. like to be lied to It makes us all feel calm and comfortable to be Given a stable lie than to be shown the real truth of how fucked up and unstable everything is. Yeah, I mean the, the trailer has this text over over just like stark footage it's just and it's so scary it's uh the the words are uh politicians lie to us we know they lie they know we know they lie they just don't care and i that just always like sent chills down my spine because it's so true and everybody mm. knows it and yet we're all engaged in this willful suspension of disbelief like no no no, everything's good you no no every, uh, both america's both the greatest country on earth and it needs to be made great again it's like n- there we're all in this weird like We're unclear on what we're even arguing for it's almost like
0: what Trump's done is put a totally new engine in the heart of the car It's like if you have an old car like Washington and it relies on a combustion engine. And then someone comes along and puts an electrical engine in there. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you saying? You don't need Congress anymore. You don't need the Senate. You don't need this. You don't need that. You don't need the cronies. You don't need the lobbyists. Because now need... you have this whole new system. And you don't need to place.
1: pretend to talk like that. Even yeah. more importantly, yes. you don't need to do the theatrics anymore. You can be a real, the real terrible person you always were. And everybody goes along with it.
0: That's the, the weirdest thing to me about this election is not the president himself, <clears throat> Excuse me. But how many people online uh, who you've never seen politically engaged are now in it like like a like a sports fan,
1: you know? I do understand, well, to the people that hate Trump, I understand because what it did was it disrupted our programming on such a profound level that people, I was talking to somebody last night that said that it was m- much more disturbing when Trump got elected than 9/11 was to them. Whoa! And I understand that sentiment because 9-11 was a terrible event. This feels like a terrible new chapter in American history.
0: But 9-11 happened while Bush was in office and Dick Cheney was the vice president. That, he was one of the scariest guys to ever have power.
1: No doubt. And that is the question. I mean, I think the best point that you're making is like Dick Cheney's pretending that he's stable. Well, meanwhile, he's like <laughs> geppetto evil and, you know, bombing Iraq and, you yeah. know, do you want a guy that makes you feel somewhat comfortable and stable, who's actually the most evil, like Satan fucker in the world, or a guy that makes you feel the evil but isn't that as bad?
0: Well, it just seemed way more transparent, his motivations. I mean, Cheney was the CEO of Halliburton, and then all of a sudden Halliburton wants to bomb Iraq. You know, he does, rather. They get these billion dollar, multi billion dollar, no bid contracts to rebuild what they've bombed and you're like Jesus Christ a little kid can connect the dots here this is this is insane
1: i always just wonder what, what how much money do you want yeah. i never quite get, get it like you're willing to just in it just seems too simple to me to go oh no they just wanted money like but there's there's a lot of, they all had a lot of money what? you ever talk to a big businessman no you know what it
0: is man it's the deal it's all about the deal it's all about closing deals making deals closing deals and winning that's what it's all about it's like like that's like saying to someone that loves video games. Why are you playing video games? Uh-huh. Like, Why are you playing them? You've I mean, already played two. Yeah. You've played it. You've, you've got the game. You know how to play a game. Right. Why keep playing? Because the, they're getting a little juice out of it every time they're doing it. They're, they're closing deals. They're buying a new yacht. You know, I've got an amazing amazing new yacht. The biggest yacht ever. It's the right. most wonderful yacht. This yacht. You'll see this yacht. It's amazing. Wait till you see it. It's incredible. The biggest yacht. That's Trump in a nutshell, right? Uh, yeah. Would you want the biggest yacht? No. I wouldn't either. A, well, I know a guy who has one. It's a giant target. They, you have to have like they have these military guys that guard this fucking thing because he'll what they'll do is they'll travel this yacht without him. Just like some like south of France. And then he flies in private jet, of course, flies into the south of France and his private jet climbs out. And then they have to escort him to his gigantic multi hundred million dollar house that floats in the water. And you have w- to keep people from getting on your lawn. Essentially, the, like, the lawn becomes all the water around your multi-billion dollar house or multi-million dollar house.
1: And it's just so that you can show your other billionaire friends, like, look what I got. Yeah,
0: well, it's also probably fun as fuck
1: to take oh, no a doubt.
0: floating mansion <laughs> out there on the south of France. But I guess it's just, why else have the money? I mean, why not, if you're balling and you enjoy all that stuff, like, I guess they just want more. They just keep, keep going.
1: There's something more to it than just the acquisition of money because at a certain once you have a billion dollars, you can afford a thing, all mm-hmm. the things that you need. You
0: can't afford all the things though. See, one of these mansions, like if you if you look at a mansion, like a crazy fucking Hamptons mansion, you know, you could get one of those for like 50 million dollars, right? 50 million dollars is 100 million dollars before taxes, right? Taxes, expenses, sales tax. You have you to gotta earn, make. A, you have yeah. to
1: earn profit of a hundred million dollars to get the fifty million dollar mansion. Yeah.
0: And then that's not that's not shit compared to some of these yachts. Like a yacht can go for half a billion. Like they have yachts. Like what's the most expensive yacht? We, we've covered this before. Wasn't it like a billion? I think it's a billion. A billion dollars for a boat. A billion dollars. A billion dollar a boat. boat. Yeah. And then what? Well, do you have to have a jet? Think
1: about how empty you feel inside when you sit the first night in your billion-dollar boat
0: Depends on how much coke you're doing.
1: <laughs> you might feel totally
0: full. Yeah, full of Viagra,
1: coke. You're Just like Slovenian excited. hookers Yeah, you're probably
0: doing you have three phone calls going at the same time doing deals
1: And that is why I 100% believe the reports of- Look at the that. Streets of Monaco, one billion dollars. That
0: is crazy Yeah, of, it's, of, a, it's a castle on a boat that floats in the water. It's insane yeah what that's a battleship that's an aircraft carrier. <laughs> well, it's really like a city. I mean, look how it's des- d- designed. I mean, it, look the outside of it, it all looks like this amazing block.
1: and what this is theoretical that they will build for someone if they give them a billion dollars. Uh, let's see. The difference
0: between a yacht, number three, which is uh, $650 million, is triple the cost. What does a billion buy you? Well, nothing yet. This one's still in construction. The design, a fantastic yacht, I'm- unlike the traditional model. So this is the probably the most – so it's a replica of uh, Casinos and the Monaco Grand Prix track.
1: It's so funny to me that you spend a billion dollars on something and it looks that fucking gaudy and disgusting. Like there's nothing about that that looks cool other than its billionness.
0: Yeah, that's the only it looks cool because it's it's mimicking Monaco. So, uh, number two but the number 2 one is how much that one, Jamie. That's 450 million to 1.2 billion.
1: And I'm sorry, anybody with a billion dollar yacht should be murdered. <laughs> I don't I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying <coughs> that. They should be killed. Okay, it cost a billion dollars. Maybe. We don't know the exact cost of building such
0: a monstrosity, but various sources have listed the price of construction, even as high as $1.5 It's manned by 70 crew members and owned by Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich. Yeah. It contains its own private defense system designed to detect intruders and camera-wielding spectators. <laughs> wow.
1: It's got a laser to kill tourists.
0: <clears throat> yeah, look at that. It uses modern light technology to block the cameras. Is room for 24 guests, two helipads, and has its own private submarine.
1: Yeah, by the time you get the private submarine money, something's gone very right and very wrong in your life.
0: Especially if you're if you're a Russian billionaire, you have to be in bed with Putin. Oh, but yeah. You have to. Yeah. You you can't just like be, oh, I'm just politically agnostic. Yeah,
1: like, you'll, you'll be straight up drinking uh, arsenic at some point. Or they'll just
0: take your company and lock you up. I mean, they've done that to a bunch of oligarchs. He just takes your company and puts you in the pokey.
1: But I wonder, um, do you think that you can be, that there are, I mean, I guess like Bill, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett seem like nice people, but it seems like if you're a billionaire, you're probably like at least a cousin of evil. <clears throat> like you've done something terrible. Is that true though? I mean, is, it's got, there's got to be a way
0: to be an ethical billionaire. There's got, if there's a way to make a million dollars ethically, which we believe there is, there's got to be a way to make a billion. I mean, it's just a matter of... Um, keeping
1: going i guess buffett seems like a good guy but then you get into what good guy means for a billionaire right Right. like good buffett's good guy is like i will allow 800 million to go to aids in africa but i will not allow that same 800 million to go to famine in somalia so there's a kind of a weird moral arbiter thing that happens which happens to the president too it's like when people point out that like obama bombed people with drones i'm i'm a I was pretty disgusted by a lot of things Obama did But it's like that is part of the morality of being a world leader is you have to be comfortable with a morality That includes killing innocent people and that's why I would never Want to be the leader of anything
0: only one reason why there's a a ton of reasons why you'd never want to do that job
1: Yeah, the worst yeah, but I you know There's this idea that people love the president which also like really kind of blows my mind (laughs) Like why do we why do we love our president? They don't love the president in every country.
0: There was a super disturbing video that a guy I know took, where he was at the inauguration, and Trump is coming up the stairs, and as Trump is coming up the stairs, all supporters, right? This is a, you know, the the heart of his love, and as he's coming up the stairs, people are clapping and applauding, and this guy next to uh, this guy I know, who's holding the camera, says. Thank you, Mr. Trump. You are a godsend. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And, it's, and he, he barely acknowledges that guy, of course. And just because there's a hundred million people around, yeah. there, you know. And he wanders up the stairs and goes through the room, and all these people are following him with the camera on him. I think that's what a guy like that wants. He, he wants, wants
1: somebody that. to say that to him. Yeah, he wants to be that guy. I understand, actually, being Trump in that situation and wanting people to worship you. I, I, I can get there. I'm a comedian. That's, that's close enough to a, a desperate ego where you like laugh at me. is similar to worship me. Right. But why do we worship politicians? I, I, I can't like wrap my brain around it. Like Gore Vidal said that it's, he called it the uniquely uh, American religion mm. of worshiping the president. Well, I think it goes back to the
0: fact that we've never had a king, so uh, our president is a different thing. And I think the idea to have the one alpha is just some ancient, you think it's some ape shit? Yeah, one hundred percent. Does only makes sense. There's always an alpha chimp. There's an alpha gorilla, and there's just like these these hierarchies exist in the primitive versions of us.
1: Why wouldn't they exist in the most advanced? That's really interesting. I never thought about it like that. Like, uh, we're so intelligent that we've created a stratified alpha pyramid that is 300 million big yeah. with a parliamentary system and a constitution, but it's still just a bunch of apes you yeah. know, running around, you know, 2001. I mean, even like go
0: back to what we we're talking about, like Bill Gates, who's this incredibly uh b- like what what he's done charitably is amazing. He does a lot of great stuff with his money. I mean, their foundation is really, really beneficial to a lot of people. But everybody knows him as the King Ape of Microsoft. I mean, that's, that's how these businesses work. Tim Cook, that's the, the, the King Ape of Apple. You know, we always have a King Ape or a Queen Ape. Right. Very, very rarely a Queen Ape, but... When we have it, it, doesn't seem to work out. Like, when, name a queen ape that that Theranos chick was a big queen ape, but it didn't work out because it turned Which, out she was a fraud. Who's Theranos? You don't know that story? No. Oh, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. It's a story of something where people wanted something to be true, so they kind of said, yes, we finally have it, and they didn't do any investigating on it until finally somebody actually did. I think it might have been the Wall Street Journal that took it down, but... <clears throat> It was this woman, Elizabeth something or another. She she founded this company called Theranos. There she is, Elizabeth Holmes, and she dressed like Steve Jobs. She wore a black turtleneck, black stuff. She acted like you know, like she was this super genius character. And when she was nineteen, she left college to start this company called Theranos. And Theranos is a company that would do this uh, very um, cheap and effective blood scan. Like, they would take a drop of your blood, like prick your blood, <clears throat> and test you for all sorts of different diseases. And um, it turns out it doesn't work at all. It's just a black box? No, it, but just like hugely ineffective. Uh-huh. And she was worth, at one point in time, $34 billion because of what this company was assessed as being you know, valued at, which she could have been able to do. And um, it turned out that... They started looking into it, and then there was a whistleblower from the company that was saying that she was ignoring all the negatives and concentrating on the positives, and these people, you know, untold, tens of thousands, I, I, even, I think maybe even a million people were put at, how many people, find out how many people were tested by this shit, but they were all put at risk. Because it's like hugely ineffective, like off by like 40, 50 percent negatives and positives and just wasn't right. It just it was wrong all the time. Just this idea that she was going to bypass this traditional system and they were putting them in like Walgreens and stuff like that, allowing people to get tested and screened for all these diseases. And it really wasn't effective. But she was one of the very rare king uh, queen chimps. Where the the matriarchal society was, you know, her business and but it just you're, didn't work.
1: You're conflating the collapse of the business <laughs> to no. no you know, I'm
0: just saying she was the only one it, that it, I could it, think of.
1: What would there have been very effective female world leaders though? Top sure, top champ. Yeah, gold of my ear. Margaret Thatcher, um, Merkel. The woman, what's
0: the woman that got blown up? Um...
1: And <laughs> some very effective women. You're like, what's the one that got blown up? <laughs> who, who am I thinking of? The uh... who was killed? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She's famous. God damn it. Names at the tip of my tongue. Oh, early morning podcasts. Motherfucker. Day after travel. Too stupid. What What country? <clears throat> I don't remember. One of them Middle Eastern ones.
1: That They killed a woman? Yeah. I don't remember. You know what I'm talking about, Jamie? God damn it. Well, call the line right now if you know what woman got blown up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a famous
0: story because it, it happened uh, in our lifetime. Uh, Jamie will find it. God damn it. Her name's at the tip of my tongue. She's driving me fucking crazy. She's like blown up like right next to her limo mm. Anyway, um, it's just yeah Margaret Thatcher is a good example, I guess, but uh Like companies like we were talking about like Bill Gates and stuff like that. You never see that Right.
1: Oh at the top at the top yeah. of uh, you got what it carly Fiorino you got um, Who's that? she's was the head of uh uh she ran the republican one of the republican people that ran for uh president this and she was a hewlett packard i want to say something like that some some yahoo maybe yeah what do you think it is you really think it's just some ape shit well i think there's definitely some women that have more masculine characteristics
0: and enjoy the competition of uh, the boardroom and that that kind of stuff more than some women do but i think that uh
1: Thank hey, you. yes,
0: Benazir right. Butta. Right. right. What, was she, what country was that? Pakistan. Pakistan, right. I was going to say Pakistan, but I didn't want to fuck it up. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what is a masculine characteristics? What's a feminine characteristics? Obviously, there's massive variations. In, in, in both genders but why are almost all lead it's the patriarchy man i mean That's it is it the is. patriarchy mm. I, I think it is what does that mean though
1: well what it means is that there are there are systems in place and maybe they're biological systems which is what suggesting right. it's a primate thing and maybe they're societal systems probably the truth is that they're both and i think that a person that really believes in in like feminism and patriarchy would say that societal systems are more are, are the bigger the bigger issue uh but even you can believe in a patriarchy that's biological but just that it's more there's a barrier to entry that starts in kindergarten it starts mm. in child rearing that would that that every in order for a woman to become a CEO they have to they have to jump every hoop higher than the male that want is on the same path Mm. because there are systems structural systems in place that want to smack that woman down towards like a more what what is perceived of uh, oh no do something a little bit more feminine and so they in order to be it's this idea that is true with all oppressed people that in order to be average you have to be great and I, i saw that directly with like my mother who's uh deaf and uh in order, I just the deaf community is so fascinating and weird. But like, in order to be what my mother is, which is like a, she has a master's degree and she's college educated, you have to try twenty times as hard as an average person that wants to get a master's degree because there's so much insane barrier to entry from day one, from the first day you're born. So mm-hmm. I think that's the, the the patriarchy. I don't think is really up for debate. I mean, even if you believe just in a biological imperative. Men are in charge and therefore they keep women from getting to positions of being in charge So in order to get up there in order to be a CEO you have to be more aggressive more powerful more more Steve Jobsy. You got to put a put more turtlenecks on
0: right but is that is that the actual system that's in place or? Are there far more men who want to do that job?
1: But why would there be more men that want to do that job? It's <clears throat> a good question. Is it natural?
0: I mean is it natural for women to gravitate towards nursing and and physicians and, and and healthcare because that is overwhelmingly run by women?
1: But then why are they for example why aren't they why don't they gravitate towards being a doctor? If they if, if a lot if, of women do. Yes, yeah, but but doc, be, being a doctor is largely and historically dominated by men and nursing. But I don't
0: think that's the case anymore.
1: It might not be anymore. But, yeah. but I, I mean I guess what I'm saying is like if you look at a woman and say, "Oh, well they like they are a biologically predisposed to nurture, mm-hmm. then you would say, oh, okay, then it would make sense that all of the great doctors of history would have been women, or it or would have been dominated in the same way nursing has.
0: Well, not necessarily, because a lot of the great doctors in history, you're talking a lot about science. You're talking about the ability to recognize issues before anyone else does and try to like f- formulate some sort of a solution to figure out some biological issue. A lot of that is science, and obviously science has been dominated by men for the longest time. The, the, the real questions are why right right and for sure there's been some sexism, right? There's f- for sure. There's been some uh, oppressing of uh, women's uh, Ideas and their ambitions in Entering into certain fields and there's old boys clubs where they don't want women around because you can't talk about pussy and
1: right You can't talk about mustaches yeah. <laughs> spread little Hitler, little Hitler pussies, you there's,
0: know, I mean there's a certain amount of freedom that men enjoy when they're around only other men
1: but, and, but And that's in place because they're the, they're the alphas of society. And so like the freedom that we desire as men and, and I'm not, look, I'm like a a woke boy, like lefty, but I still am a man. Woke boy? Well, you know, like like I consider myself a political progressive, you know? Right. And I do believe in a, do you say,
0: do you ever say I'm so woke?
1: I mean, ironically I will. Hashtag woke? Hashtag stay woke all day, every day. (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag I eat meat. But that, no, that's yours. Hashtag I eat meat? You always hashtag things I eat meat. Oh, sometimes I don't always. I think I made it. May have. Well, you when you have like an elk or twice. When when you have like a seared elk. Yeah, I I enjoy watching your elk. Your elk Instagram. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Do you eat meat? Uh, yeah, I eat meat. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah, I eat meat. (laughs) That's a weird one, right? Meat? No, it's a
0: weird. uh, It's a weird thing, like uh, admitting, like you got to (laughs) go. Because we know, you know. I mean, if you're a real progressive, if you're a real caring person, it's like, okay,
1: you're eating murdered animals. I mean. I don't I don't think that I am as uh, as ardent a meat eating supporter as you are, but I also am not a there is a moral imperative not to eat meat. Right. I, I I fall somewhere in the middle, which is I mean, I think every thinking person falls in the middle, which is meat probably isn't a, a, an obviously immoral thing to eat because we want it. We mm-hmm. are we are we are but animals and we want meat. And if we did, not why does a lion eat meat? And we shouldn't. Well, we're not a carnivore. But we are an omnivore, right? Yes. I
0: I believe that, but there's a lot of people that say we're not. That's the big argument, you know.
1: I have this weird we're uh, herbivores. I mean, yeah, it's odd to say that we're herbivores because we're not. Mm-hmm. No, it's we're like not. Yeah, it's, it's, McDonald's. Look, look, it's McDonald's, right? Well,
0: it's not just that. I mean, not that we can get away with eating it, but that our face is designed for
1: it. Oh, right, right. Yeah, for, mean, for a, for a Biological. Big Mac, actually.
0: <laughs> Perfectly.
1: <laughs> actually, have you heard about the new Big Mac? No. It's, uh, there's a new hamburger at McDonald's. It's a Big Mac, but if you don't want all that food, it's uh, they've taken out one bun and one patty, so it's just a, it's a cheeseburger. But they're calling it the Mac Jr. This is the kind of pernicious... Really? Yeah, it's the Mac Jr. It's a fucking cheeseburger. So that's what they're calling it? That's so stupid. The Mac... There it is. Oh, Jesus Christ. The Mac Jr. So All the, the flavor, ideas... one less layer. So it... it has
0: the same amount of patties? Is that two patties? No,
1: it's not. It's one less one patty, patty, one less bun. It's a fucking cheeseburger. And they're like, oh, no, 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 mm-hmm. no. But it comes with our special sauce. Oh, so it's a bad cheeseburger. I used to have a joke that
0: actresses are like Big Macs. They never look as good as their pictures. <laughs> It's like, when was the last time you saw a Big Mac like that? Like, God damn, that looks great.
1: Wait, what about the third Big Mac? The Grand Mac? Oh, they're going deep. What's in the Grand Mac? For those that didn't think the Big Mac was big
0: enough. Mm. It's a 100% beef patty. It weighs a third of a pound. Mm. Two slices. Well, now this is the problem with Melty? Meat. Two slices of Melty. Melty American cheese. What does that mean? It's like, well, it's it's not real cheese, so we call it melty. It's melty American cheese. It's melty American cheese. It's all one word. Melty American cheese. (laughs) Stay
1: woke. (laughs) Stay melty. (laughs) Because
0: it's not really cheese at all. Hashtag
1: I eat melty. (sighs) I mean, this is the problem with meat. Mm. It's not you shooting an elk with a fucking bow and arrow. It's McDonald's like having, like, you know, cow schwitz, you know, them stacked up, and, like, they're eating their own shit, and we're all, like, just consuming it at the detriment of the global the green greenhouse gases i mean if only if everybody hunted the way you hunt then i then there would be no moral there would be no moral question about There'd meat also to be me. no elk there would be <laughs> and a lot of people would starve you yeah. wouldn't we wouldn't make it but i well we don't all we don't need, need meat no we don't need it that's what i think the weird argument about veganism from a moralistic perspective can be if you talk about it from an environmental perspective it's very very difficult. I always say, like, when you talk about, I don't know if I want to say this on your podcast, but when you talk right. about when you talk about in, environmental effects of meat, it's the same way. The uh, it feels the same as when you bring up the settlements in Israel. You can have all these like great intellectual discussions on, well, actually, well, and then you bring up the environmental, and you just go, I can't defend that. There's right. no there's no defense there. I feel the same way with the settlements in Israel. It's like. I can make an impassioned plea for Israel and then when you bring up the settlements, I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. Once it, you start bulldozing people. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. I'm not running sure. Running them
0: over with tanks. Um, <coughs> but I mean, We started this whole thing off with uh, trying to figure out why women uh, gravitate towards certain things and whether or not they'd be suppressed. And This is a, a subject, it's almost like racism, where uh, if you're not a black person and you start talking about Black Lives Matter, people go, hey, fuckhead. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're, you either be ultra supportive or shut the fuck up. You, know, you either be an ally or, you know, get out of the way. I hear that. There is. Yeah, I hear that. And that's kind of representative, I think, for, of the way a lot of women feel like the struggle is so pervasive and it's so much a part of their lives and they don't get supported in it. And it's so frustrating, especially a woman that is trying to climb the corporate ladder. Like I have a good friend who's a big time executive. She was at a Google and now she's at another, another one of those big tech companies. And she's uh, super, super intelligent, super ambitious, too. And she's one of those rare women that um well her mom's like that too so it's kind of interesting it's interesting when you meet her mom who's this older super sharp lady but she's just always been like the type of person that in, enjoys achieving she's like this is like her mindset she enjoys it she likes achieving problem solving she likes getting deals done it, and she's a very nice person it's not like she's some ruthless monster who uh does it. you know forsaking all things f- for profit it's uh, but there's not a lot of women like that it's not it's not that many so if you look at the great pool of humans like how much of it is them being held back or how much of it is Them being like really rare, like so so few people like that. If you get a hundred women in the room, is one of them like my friend? I don't know.
1: But the question always is, why would there be so few women that are like that? There's no way. By the way, it's all an intellectual exercise Mm because there's no way that you could strip away all the thousands of years of programming Mm -hmm. and systemic societal oppression to to figure out. Oh, if we're on it, I always make I always think about like if I took you know twenty. 20 kids I used to think about this in terms of gender uh, dysphoria and trans transgender ideas Mm -hmm. like if you were to take 50 kids 50 boys and 50 girls and go put them on a colony on the moon where they were raised by robots with no reference to their gender, what things would you find that were true about the women back home that were true of the women up there? Like, mm. if you could somehow strip away society altogether, then what would be left over? What, what truly is male? What truly is female? Right. And I think there's actually a, there is an intersection between meat-eating and femi- and femi- and systemic feminism, which is really, like, human beings are this weird concoction of, like, conscious, like aware, awake, woke boys and girls and little primate, you know, kill the alpha, you know, fuck the woman monkeys. Mm -hmm. And so we're like trying to grapple with that constantly. Like, is it inherent in the the notion that you should morally not eat meat is the idea that you are morally superior to an animal that can't discern between the moral correctness of eating meat and you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like if you're just an animal, you're just like any dog will eat anything you put in front of it.
0: Well, there's also, there's an intellectual argument, right? Like, if you leave these animals alone to their own devices, what do they do? Well, they slaughter each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's what they do. This is what it is. There's a bunch of stuff that grows, and there's a bunch of dumb stuff that eats the stuff that grows, and then there's a bunch of mean stuff that eats the dumb stuff. And that's that's nature. I and mean, that really is the whole thing. And right. mean stuff that eats other mean stuff. There's mean stuff that eats bigger mean stuff and smaller mean stuff. And, <clears throat> and then w- w- if you step in, and you take some of those d- dumb things that are eating the grass, you can you feel better. Uh-huh. It's healthy, your your body performs better, and that's just a fact. I mean, there's a lot of people that wanna say uh, that meat-eating is bad for you. It is absolutely not, it's just not. What's bad for you is sedentary lifestyle, what's bad for you is sugar, what's bad for you is simple carbohydrates in high quantities. There's a lot of things that are bad for you. Processed foods are bad for you, preservatives are very bad for you. There's a lot of things, carcinogens, All those things are bad for you. But just meat is protein and water. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what it is. a bunch of amino acids and there's a lot of vitamins in it. And as long as you're not eating too much of anything, you know, it's been proven that there's a lot of benefits to eating meat. First of all, B12, which really doesn't even exist in a vegan diet unless you're taking in weird algaes uh, or bugs, if some people are willing to eat bugs.
1: Bugs are the future,
0: right? Yep, we're all going to be eating crickets. But it's a weird thing; these, these distinctions of life. Like we decide, like for if you wanted to eat something that's really simple and stupid, like if your if your issue is um, awareness, or if your your issue is um, uh, whether something sentient, eat mollusks. They're some of the dumbest fucking things on the planet, dumber even than plants. Like plants communicate with each other; it's been proven. Michael Pollan had some amazing work about it. Not only that, they um, have not only that it's been proven that they communicate with each other, but they also produce human neurotransmitters. They produce like serotonin. Like there's there's some arguments that they, um, they actually allocate resources to support other plants in the community. Are they you talking have,
1: about those like root systems you know, or whatever?
0: Yeah, they have a mycorrhizal relationship with different funguses. There are and,
1: some trees where if you go into it, there's a group of elves making cookies. <gasps> yeah, man, E.L. Fudge I heard those, co- that's responsible for a
0: lot of forest fires
1: That's right, all those kilns yeah. All those cookie ovens, yeah. man Fuck But it. one of those elves actually made it really far He's actually the Attorney General of our country What's Jeff, his name? Jeff Sessions He's an elf? He was an E.L. Fudge guy, yeah Wow, yeah, which one was he? Like, is, I, is he, he like was like sleepy a jun- or dopey? He's like a junior elf <laughs> <laughs> But the,
0: um, the, I think plants talk I, That's think, interesting. I think I think they communicate with each other in a way that we don't understand, and this is one of the reasons I read. I think this. They've done these studies where they played uh, the sound of caterpillars, played the sound of caterpillars munching on leaves next to an acacia tree, and it changed the way the tree tastes. Like when when you uh, there's certain trees that when they they when an animal's chewing them, the acacia bush is a famous one. When an animal's chewing them upwind. So like something's chewing it and then scent comes downwind to them. They change their flavor profile and become like a toxic tasting so that animals will actually starve to death rather than eat them.
1: Oh, they change so that the caterpillar won't eat them? To discourage predation. Wow, that's yeah. wild. They do it based on
0: sound. Like they'll do it based on the smell but also sound. Plants respond defensively to the sound of caterpillars eating their leaves. So they produce these these poisons so they, they taste like shit, but so that, that no one eats them. And it literally will cause, they figure fig this out from giraffes. But that's that it, n- that's not evidence of sentience. Well, it's evidence of some sort of communication. Because one one plant way up there is communicating with the other plants that are nowhere near. Oh,
1: that's interesting. So, okay, so all of, all of the trees in the network will start tasting yes. like shit. That's there's interesting. Sort of,
0: there's some sort of a network. Oh, again, that's... the Michael Pollan book, I forget which book it was, where he goes into depth about this. But um, there's quite a few different um, scientific papers that have been done on plant intelligent intelligence, and it's a fairly new and emerging field. And it's a very disturbing field to people that are vegan, right? Because they like to pretend that, okay, well, we, what we're doing is causing no harm. That's not true. Okay, everyone causes harm. Life eats life, mm-hmm. and one of the weird things that people do, where well, they have no problem eating, with they're vegan, I'm just gonna eat vegetables. Well, large scale agriculture is one of the most devastating things that can happen to the ground that those plants are p- planted on. You, you complete like if you see a field and it's like a thousand acres of corn, that is so not normal. Uh-huh. I mean, that is just that is so weird, and even if it's totally organic. Right like you're you're displacing all this wildlife to, to do that you're changing
1: that environment entirely It's and not, you're stripping nutrients from the soil. Oh, are, yeah, are we like running toward a cliff?
0: Yeah, and the way to put the nutrients back is use dead things right you know, use fish or dead animals I And mean, that's how they get the nutrients back in the soil. There's a there was an interesting article article that uh, um. I uh, tweeted a, about a year back that everybody got so mad that it's, it's actually impossible to be a vegetarian. And this is by someone who is a vegan uh-huh. who is saying this. What are they saying?
1: What, what, what They're they like talking ingesting... about
0: every animal, like every plant, like devours living things in order to stay alive. And you are devouring the nutrients from those living things. Like by eating these plants, you're eating something. There it is. It's actually impossible to be a vegetarian. It's a fascinating read. Because it, it's written by a vegan, and it's, it's, it's a weird argument, but you realize, like, oh, there's this connection that's inexorable. Like, it's not like these plants just live only on water.
1: But isn't the—I mean, here's the idea that brings us back to this feminism idea and what's structural and what isn't. is like, isn't the idea that if you are—if you believe that humanity has a moral—it's incumbent upon humanity to be morally forthright— you know more to be more than an animal yeah then you have to reckon with what's the way that i can do the least harm in the world mm-hmm. I, i'm not saying i do that i'm saying that is right that's the that's the moral and intellectual idea of like yeah w- you know how to deal with systemic oppression how to deal with uh, a, a low impact diet like i think like there's no question that you hunting elk is in the framework of if i'm god in the acceptability range right mm-hmm. but then Factory farming and you know worst case scenario. Yeah, Yeah. and the worst case scenario is the is the scenario
0: Yeah, and I think what also what happened is these uh, Societies that we enjoy these these civilizations like New York City LA they got too big Mm -hmm. before we engineered them Uh, before rather we engineered like I'm engineers the wrong word before we really managed The resources that you need to allocate to in order to feed twenty what do we have twenty five million people in the greater Los Angeles area? Think about all that shit. Yeah, it's a lot of shitting.
1: It's so much shit. What do you do with the shit? Do you ever hear the story? You ever hear the story about New York City shit? No, where's it go? Pretty fascinating. So they basically. It, it all goes in the same place. I mean, it all goes to plants, which is, I mean, uh, treatment plants, not, not not plants that feel and make themselves taste bitter, but mm-hmm. treatment plants. Right. So every, every shitty, like, you know, Lower East Side hipster and Chinatown Chinese person and, like, Upper East Side, you know, Jew, it all, their little squiggly shits all go to, like, treatment <laughs> plants where they treat it and then they're left over with this, like, pile of fucking, you know, big old New York City shit. And they're like, what do we do with this shit? They don't have... Uh, farmlands nearby and so they basically because a lot of it goes to fertilizer so they started trying to take it out on the on the free market you can sell shit on the free market
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god is that real
1: yeah you sell it to farms and the funny part is that all these like kansas and indiana and like real down home corn husky type of places were like We're good. We don't want that big city, city slicker shit to to fertilize our our community.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Basically, the stigma of New York Yankees was too big for them to accept the shit. Wow. not even for free? Yeah, they wouldn't
0: take it. They can't even take it for free. And they they buy cow shit. But isn't cow shit way better because it's all grass?
1: Well, cow shit... I don't know. I don't know if it's better. I'm not. I'm not a shit expert. I just dabble in shit. You're not a shit expert. No, I dabble in shit. Uh, but You know so much. I, <laughs> I mean, I smell like it, and I think about it a lot. But other than that, I talk but... a lot of it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, wow. Shit's crazy though. When you think about it like is. how much shit it has to go somewhere. Yeah. We and all the garbage. I when you order stuff. We. I was getting ready for uh for Burning Man this year and. I went to Target to buy pillows and I bought pillows, brand new pillows for $4. And I was just like, this is great. and am tossing pillows, fresh pillows. And then uh, my wife was like, the fact that there are $4 pillows is like systemically connected to like society's collapse on some level. Like, yeah. There's no way to make a four dollar pillow and not have the earth like suffering at some point Just how do you do that? How do and all the garbage and I can go to Burning Man and sleep on it for a week Be like this is dusty toss it into a landfill. Where is this stuff going? Isn't the argument that Target places like Target and Walmart especially are subsidized? Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, they definitely are but in one way shape or form, right? Yeah, it's through welfare or through food stamps or through Actually, not welfare, right? They they have to have a certain wage. To to you mean to yeah, in order to support like
1: like what? what how much do you have to make to qualify for welfare? Oh, to, I think you. I grew up on welfare, actually. Me too. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Do you like that about yourself? I it's find a, a great it's deal a, of pride. A, like in I, that. I just said it. I just blurted it out there. Like, yeah, me too, bro. I do feel yeah, like like we, connective. I get n- almost nothing makes me more angry. Than a person who's never in- interacted with real poor people talking mm. about the, the lazy people on welfare.
0: Right. Well, my, I was very fortunate that my um, mom, although we we're on welfare, she worked to, and got to a point where she didn't have to be on welfare anymore. And then she got off of it. Same with me. So it made me realize like, oh, like this, this actually can work, can help people here. that are super poor. We had food stamps, the whole deal.
1: And my thing has always been when it comes to welfare, like, wouldn't you rather allow a person to take advantage of the system so that some Percentage of those people yeah. can raise can raise through the ranks and get off of welfare and, and better themselves and better their lives Wouldn't you rather have that system in place than the system that says sorry? We're worried about people taking advantage of the system. So everybody including the good people can go fuck themselves Yes. which society do you want to live in?
0: Yes, certainly a former and you know, I think with uh, m- With my mom's situation. It was also important to send a message That it gives a woman an option to get away from an abusive man. Yeah, my mom left my dad and um, My stepdad didn't have any money they weren't married at the time They were boyfriend and girlfriend and he was a student and they you know We got on welfare and we ate you know, we drank powdered milk and the whole deal
1: But it's very similar situation very similar. My mom left my dad when I was one and came out here She's a disabled woman. It's like everything was stacked against her and uh, you know So we were raised on food stamps and welfare Jews on welfare very rare very rare It's
0: it 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 definitely if you have a society that's a caring society It's it certainly serves its function what people are worried about is the same thing they're worried about when they're talking about free housing
1: I was just gonna say we can bring it all the way back.
0: Yeah, you're you're worried about people that come along that juke the system that don't want to work that are lazy who cares?
1: Yeah, let them juke wouldn't you I mean, I just I would rather help people that need the help and allow someone to juke the system than I would live in a stark society that says I'm sorry We don't help people here because we're worried that somebody might steal
0: 100% and you know there's a real issue that's coming up right now with uh, artificial intelligence and automation that's gonna remove yeah. Millions and millions of jobs just by virtue of automated cars we're done And so people are talking very seriously about universal basic income. It is
1: either inevitable. There are two inevitabilities. Either universal basic income will come and and take the place of the income that was stripped away, not because anybody did anything wrong, but because they did everything right. And Mm -hmm. the eventual automated reality is that there aren't jobs Mm -hmm. for people. There's jobs for you and me. But there's not a job for a skilled journeyman worker because there's a fucking machine that can work twenty four hours a, a day. Or a truck driver. Oh yeah. That's the truck drivers they are they're they're first. Yeah. They're the shock troops. That's why this whole thing with Trump saving coal jobs, it's like, I hate to say it, but like coal jobs don't matter, yeah. you know, in, 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 in the long, and I know it's like, it's <laughs> like this Hollywood, like comedian joke look, coal jobs don't matter. And I know if you're a coal miner listening to this, the coal job matters to you more than anything else. Well, right? Do you
0: know how few coal jobs there are?
1: It's very few,
0: very few. There's like 75,000 overall coal jobs and there's some insane, like new energy, like there's a half a million new energy jobs just in California alone.
1: Exactly. Yeah, th- and and so everybody. Fo- I might have made those numbers up, but it's big. I mean, and everybody fo- everybody focuses on the, uh, you know, that that's what a human being does. Every they focus on the on the day to day. They focus on the sun going up and down. They don't focus on the year going by, right? It's like you go, oh, but my job is gone. I want my job back. But it's yeah. like your job doesn't matter. Yeah, entire
0: coal industry employs fewer people than Arby's. <laughs> Holy
1: shit! Imagine if he was talking about Arby's, though.
0: But I think what he's doing is sort of like this giant pro-business push. Transparent. It's yeah. so transparent. It's it's obvious. It's just about making a lot of people that he knows money, and allowing a bunch of people that have lost money that have probably in some way or shape or form contributed to him.
1: Yeah, and also he's not an idiot. I mean, he might be, but he also won the election by yeah. a, about the amount of people that work for. Do you Arby's. think he's an idiot? Uh, Definitely not an idiot. He's probably got some kind of high IQ that is overshadowed by a severe personality disorder.
0: Yeah, and what do you think that is? Like narcissistic? Yeah, Yeah.
1: I just think he's there's something wrong with him. No doubt about that. For sure. There's something wrong with him.
0: Don't you think that's in order for someone to put their name up on everything like that? Like I was in New York this past weekend and we drove by this like Trump research uh, um, Rehabilitation Center Like a Trump Rehabilitation Center. Like I had, it was like this real shitty old building. Yeah, what
1: they do is they put, uh, they put a, uh, a crack rock in front of you and a pussy. And they say, which one do you want to grab? And they
2: like,
1: and they just keep diverting you to the pussy. And then further
0: down the line, it was Trump Lynx. We were driving on this road and it said Trump Links, like, like this golf course. Oh, oh, it you
1: know? was golf. Because yeah. you, you know about the Trump's, Trump Steaks. Steaks? Like, like oh, have e- you never seen eating? this commercial? It's really funny. The Trump Steak commercial is like, Oh, you just got you gotta love it. It's no. so beautiful. Really? Can you put? Can you play video on here? Uh, is it illegal
0: yeah. or something? Nah, we. I think <laughs> it was, so funny. It's, we'll play it for us, Yeah, and we'll probably play the volume. The, whenever we play a video, the real issue with us it seems to be um, animal attack videos. Uh huh. Because those get so many hits that somebody owns them and claims them, and then you get pulled off
1: of Facebook, got and pulled off of YouTube, we get flagged. Yeah, Trump stakes is like hilarious. I mean, look, Trump's not a fool. Trump is a, well, he is a fool but he's not stupid and there I Here think, we go oh yeah
0: trump stakes the world's greatest stakes give me some volume young jamie
2: when it comes to great stakes <laughs> i've just raised the stakes <laughs> the sharper image is one of my favorite stores with fantastic products of all kinds that's why i'm thrilled they agree with me trump Steaks are the world's <laughs> greatest stakes and i mean that in every sense of the word And the Sharper Image is the only store where you can buy them.
1: That's where I buy my meat. Trump
2: Steaks are by far the best tasting, most flavorful beef you've ever had. Truly in a league of their own. Trump Steaks are five-star gourmet, quality that belong in a very, very select category of restaurant, and are certified Angus Beef Prime. There's (laughs) nothing better than that. Of all of the beef produced in America, less than 1% qualifies for that category. It's the best of the best. Until now you could only enjoy steaks of this quality in one of my resort restaurants or America's <laughs> finest steakhouses, but now that's changed. Today, through the sharper image, you can enjoy the world's greatest steaks in your own home with family, friends, anytime. Trump steaks are aged to perfection like, to provide the ultimate <laughs> in also... tenderness and flavor. He if could you be talking like about will Absolutely like... love Trump Steaks. Treat yourself to the very, very best life has to offer. And as a gift, Trump steaks are the best you can give. One bite and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And believe me, I understand steaks. It's my favorite food. And these are the best.
0: That was kind of endearing. Back it, when he sure. was just a businessman. It's totally. like, oh, that wacky businessman guy. Here he is. It's the Trump guy. It's like the, there's a guy in India that used to dress
1: all in gold. I know the guy you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's kind
0: of it's something funny about it. He's a character. Oh, it's the Trump guy. Puts his name on everything. And But then you become president. And then what made you kind of cute
1: is, is this, what makes you terrifying. Yeah. With, yeah. I mean, that's the president. The state guy is talking about stakes in the exact same way that he's talking about governmental policy. How
0: the fuck does Sharper Image, they sell back massagers? (laughs) How are they selling the best steaks in the world? That's There's not... no
1: place I rather, would rather get my meat than the, the Sharper Image. I go to Brookstone or Sharper Image. That's my butcher.
0: Not only that, whoever wrote that, like that's that's in need of a second
1: draft, sir. <laughs> that's a terrible... That like, would, why is I, it so good? I, I like, would push tell back, me what they eat. I would push back and say Donald Trump's not a big second draft guy. Yeah, He's yeah. just like, uh, I'm going to say I'm really good and know a lot about it, and yeah. let's do this. He's right up there with L. Ron Hubbard when it comes to second drafts. Did you, did you watch... Uh, the choice on frontline during the election no it was this uh amazing documentary about hillary clinton and donald trump and it shows you exactly who they are and why why they are the way that they are hillary clinton who cares at this point but trump is it it was so interesting like basically he was raised with a father that that was extremely harsh not loving at all and he found this father figure this guy ray Cohn, who was this like extremely aggressive lawyer in New York, who was big in the McCarthy era. He was a big prosecutor in the McCarthy communism trials. And Cone's whole strategy and philosophy was when someone hits you, you hit them back on a level that's so disproportionately out of control that they forget about the thing that you are even talking about. So the example of uh, how he got sued for racial discrimination, he's getting sued for racial discrimination. That's a bad thing. Remember that? Mm -hmm. about. And he sued the people that were suing him for $25 million in like 1970. So it's like, now the story is, oh, a $25 million suit. Donald Trump's suing some poor kid for $25 million. No one's talking about the original thing anymore. They're only looking at this flashy, insane P.T. Barnum-level lawsuit.
0: The racial discrimination thing was in regards to housing, right?
1: Yeah, the basically there was, uh, they were setting up... Uh, systems where black people and, and uh, Latinos wouldn't get wouldn't be allowed into Trump housing through like weird coded language or something like that
0: Well, he's definitely a very litigious guy. Oh, yeah, you know, which is fascinating that this woman who's suing him for sexual harassing or groping or what is She What is the exact. It's a Gloria all red thing. Oh I don't know the suit that you're talking. <laughs> you about. You don't know that scene. Are well, they still going? No, this is the thing He just claimed immunity because he's the president <laughs> Like this woman was suing him before like she was one of the ones that sued him once he became president or once yeah. he was running. She came out, like one of the last few to came out. And Gloria Allred was behind her and everybody goes, Oh, I see this coming. Once Gloria Allred's in your corner, you're like, Oh, I see what's going on here. Someone's trying to get paid. But okay, someone's trying to get paid. Trump that- claims immunity from apprentice contestants lawsuit.
1: That somebody's trying to get paid. That's a fair I, I could see that argument. The other argument would be He's about to become the president. So a person who he's violated, who was willing to let it go when he was just some weird guy selling steaks for the sharper image is now like, I'm not going to let y- this monster become the president.
0: Well, you could look at it that way. Um, but what is what did he do? Like what, oh, I have what no he idea. did it but her claim, she's been pretty open about her claim. He he made a pass at her. Yeah, right. That's really it. Yeah. So it's not it's not really like what it con- constitutes. It's not, you're not talking about something monstrous. No, I'm not talking, talking about it. But in this case, yeah. the Gloria Allred thing, like, um, you know, Gloria Allred, like, if I was a woman and uh, something was going down like that where I wanted to get paid, that's who I'd go to. Like, that's her thing, right? She. There was some, some article written about how many cases of hers actually go to trial and how many get settled. And it's just, she's a settlement person. You ever been sued? No. You?
1: Yeah. Close. What about? Uh a line in my book and uh and it is you realize immediately that it was a stupid line and one that if i had 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 hindsight i just never would have put it in and the person was right to be upset and uh but then you realize very quickly that this is poker we're just playing poker like it costs so much money for you to Go to trial and defend yourself. If you, mm-hmm. Even if you felt like you did nothing wrong, which in this case, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have even made that claim. I mean, the thing about writing a memoir is it's all like these like wisps of memory, you know, mm-hmm. and you're just like grabbing at stuff and throwing it in. And like you have to it's almost like you have to write the first one in order to realize like, oh, here are the responsible ways to do this. You mm-hmm. can't just like grab memories thinking that all of your memories belong to you because other people are in them. You know what I'm saying? Right. So anyway. Basically, it's like it, you could defend yourself. Maybe you have a defense. It would cost you $200,000 or you could settle. That's why I no longer buy this idea that like if you settled, that's an Im- uh, implication of guilt. That's that's complete bullshit. Right. Anybody that's been sued is realizing the reality that like you could fight for your honor and it'll cost you double the amount for you to just say, here's some money. Right. right? I
0: know a bunch of people that have been sued and settled. When they were absolutely 100% innocent. And they actually totally. passed a, a rule at the UFC where you're not allowed to take pictures choking people because of it because people would ask like hey chuck liddell come choke me and i would take a picture of you <laughs> put me funny. in a rear naked choke well both chuck liddell and matt hughes were sued chuck liddell wound up settling and he absolutely didn't do anything wrong but this guy had a picture of him getting choked and he says look this guy hurt me he's a killer he yeah. hurt me here's the picture oh pretty cut and dry here yeah and the other one was matt hughes same thing this guy wanted matt hughes to choke him so matt hughes choked him and this guy wound up suing him. Then they do an investigation on the guy and like they go into it and they find out that this guy is a corrupt cop. So the guy winds up going to jail for being a corrupt cop. Hilarious. Like, he started this whole cascade that eventually wound up with him being in jail.
1: Yeah. I mean, people are, l- litigiousness is, is is a monster of our age. Because it works. Yeah, it works really well. My I mean, co- if-
0: a company that I'm a part of got sued recently. with Some weird, funky patent lawsuit. I'm like, oh, what do we do here? And it was one of those things where you if you settle, you, you get this amount, you know, or you you give them this amount. If you go to trial, it's gonna cost you in legal fees three times
1: that. What's, even if you win. What's Chuck Liddell supposed to do? Yeah. It you know, okay, Chuck, you could you could defend yourself and maybe win. You could spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and maybe win, even though you're right. Or you could write this guy a check for twenty thousand dollars and never think about it again. Yeah it's like I get that. What's weird about Trump being so litigious is that the, the Republicans were the ones that made it almost impossible to sue people. That's their whole thing. You, you saw that hot coffee documentary? Yes. So fucking good, right? Yes. Yeah. And that was a Republican talking point. It's like mm-hmm. we have to start with tort reform, tort reform. And then all of a sudden, they were all about these like, you know, meaningless and frivolous lawsuits. That's a big talking point in the GOP. And all of a sudden, now Trump is like the most suingest motherfucker that's ever, ever touched anything.
0: Would you hear him talk about it during the, the during the... The, uh, run for president, he was talking about people writing things about you that aren't true. And we're going to change the laws. We're going right. to change the laws so we can go after
1: those people. Is Harvey Firestein or Trump that you're doing right now? Uh, that was Trump. No, it was just It's just not good. No, Harvey Firestein. Uh, maybe that was a too, too deep of a cut. I was trying to I know nobody won. That it? would
2: be more like this. <laughs> yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> I just don't do a good Trump. There's I some noises
0: I can't make. I just good can't for make you. that
1: noise. That speaks well to your spirit. Does it? That you can't find. But I can that. do Mike Tyson. You're good at Tyson. I can do it pretty good. Oh, that's good. It's not difficult. I got I got Stephen Hawking and I got the movie <laughs> movie phone guy. Those are the two. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Welcome
0: to movie phone. People but don't even go, know what movie go. phone is anymore.
1: I know. There's no point. That, yeah, one of my one of my impressions is defunct. It goes, uh, hello and welcome to Movie Phone, brought to you by 106.1 KMEL Jams. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press one now.
0: Yeah, that used to be the thing. That's how that we was found out where the movies are played and what the times were.
1: Phones used to be so connected to the internet. You ever study hacking? Yeah. It's like all of the original hackers, like these like really like phone scary hackers.: Yeah, the phone freaks. What they were doing was like not even interesting anymore. Yeah. Like Captain Crunch, you know about that guy? Yes. Interesting dude. I knew that dude. Really? When I was a little boy. Well, explain uh, who he is. Well, so Captain Crunch was one of the first phone freak hackers. And, and the thing that he did is he found a whistle in a Captain Crunch box. And he found that it, it had the tonality that if you play it into the phone, like <laughs> or whatever, the tones that the phone was hearing were similar to the dial tones that would connect people to long distance. So he could get free long distance. Now, kids, this is when long distance cost money. Yeah, and I remember so that. He was one of the first dudes that w- was doing that. He was a legend. So I met him when I was a big raver when I was a kid. I was, like, big time. Like, uh, I spent, like, most of my teenage years in San Francisco raves. And so I started going when I was 16, and Captain Crunch was, like, 70. And he was at every rave. I mean... Every single rave. And he was 70? He was old, and it was like funny. because. And he,
0: and he was just doing ecstasy and partying?
1: Big time. No teeth in front of the speakers, like speaker freak. Like he, Now he was a phone freak, then he became a speaker freak. So he's blowing his ears out. Just like sitting there, a bit full dancing. beard, like no teeth, little shorts. And I was like 16. And there he, he is. There he is, yeah. Wow. <laughs> he said to me, uh, it looks like a guy does a lot of ecstasy. Oh yeah, he's done it all. So that dude was like, "Do you want a? Do you need a job?" To me, because I was a cute young young boy. You want to fuck you? You think? I don't know if he wanted to fuck me. I've been sued before, so I have no opinion on that. But I do <laughs> know that he said, "I do know that he." I was like, "Hell yeah, I want a job!" And he's like, "Great! It starts with a bodywork session at my house in Mill Valley." And I was like, mm. ah, "I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, Crunch." Who has to deliver the bodywork? <laughs> he's the guy. Mm. I mean, basically, it was. It, it starts, starts with a bodywork session. <laughs> you ever had a job like that? Mm. You, you meet know, them at a rave. All my jobs. They're a 70-year-old man you meet at a rave. They do a bodywork session. That sounds session. normal. I yeah, don't understand that's, what you're... No, it's legit. What are you going on about? <laughs> <laughs> How weird. That was a
0: hard pass from me. A mm, hard pass. How many people said yes to that? I guess that's one of those pitches, you know. Yeah, or try th- it enough times. throw it at 100 people, and every now and then... Yeah,
1: it's like
2: (laughs) (laughs) over the bleachers. I'm sure he's thinking in baseball metaphors.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder. That's a weird fucking choice. Uh, I was very interesting to me. Thank God I was like aware enough that it was very transparent. Maybe if he'd, you know, when you're young, sometimes things that are very transparent are not transparent at all. You like, oh, okay, cool. I I guess I'll do that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I almost got uh, when I was maybe seven or eight, probably eight. I almost got uh, scooped up by a child molester because of that. I almost did too. What happened with you? Yeah, I want to hear yours. I was in a, a library. I used to like uh, monster books. Uh-huh. I was really into monsters. I was really into, like <laughs> Dracula. The guy's <laughs> like,
1: hey kid, you like monsters? <laughs> well, I was... Yeah. <laughs> right?
0: He, um, I was looking through this section, this horror <laughs> section of this library, and... Um, this guy came up to me and he said, uh, do, you, do you like books about monsters? I said, Yeah, yeah. And he goes, I've got some really good ones in my car. Do you want to see them? And I was like, Okay. I was like eight. I was a total latchkey kid. My parents just opened the door, and just out I went. They worked. Yeah. Uh, when me you too. get home from school, and you basically were at the mercy of s- society. And I lived in San Francisco. So it's like, it Is was, that where you're from? I was born in New
1: Jersey, and we moved to San Francisco when I was seven. That's interesting. We have a lot of parallels. Mm, interesting. I'm from mm. Oakland. Do you know that? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. talked about this. Yeah, but uh, same thing. I was in a parking lot actually. In my gra- in the car, and my grandma went in to go shopping with my brother. And this dude came to the window and was like, "Do you want to come with me? I'll give you a bicycle." And thank God I'm Jewish because I was like. Okay, I'll take the bicycle, but I don't actually ride a bike. I need training wheels. And Actually, my brother needs a bike, too. He, like, I swear to God, I started negotiating with the guy. I was, like, trying to get more bicycle for my bucks. It's <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> and then by the time I was done talking to the guy, my grandma came out and was, like, chased the guy away. So, if it wasn't for these negotiation skills, that's amazing. I'd be in a sex dungeon right now. Yeah,
0: you were annoying. You annoyed the guy away from you. (laughs) That's hilarious.
1: Even a child molester is like, I, I, you know what? Forget it. You can keep it.
0: I was on my way out the door with this guy, and the lady who worked the counter at the library. Uh, the librarian screamed at Joseph you get away from that man he just got out of jail Jesus and the guy ran
1: he ran
0: and I started crying just crying and crying
1: the Joe Rogan experience could have been so different. Ooh, yeah, man. <laughs> Six <laughs> so months in Probably could in basement. have been dead. Yeah, it's. I mean, insane. who knows? If he, if the guy just got out of jail, he probably didn't want to go back to jail again. Dude, that yeah, that's that's those little minutes and seconds between you and like the most dastardly thing. Well, I mean,
0: not only that, this is 1970, whatever it was. Like, good luck catching that guy. Like,
1: yeah. Have you ever almost died? I don't think so. What's the most dangerous thing you've ever done?
0: Oh Jesus! I don't know. <laughs> Fight
1: yeah fight you can um, die in a drive fight. drive safe or drive unsafe yeah i remember i was a kid and we were always like look exploring f- places to go smoke weed i was like Ooh. when you're young i maybe it's different now now that weed's legal but when you're young and weed was illegal it was like you always were like looking for these like cubbies to mm. smoke weed in. and so you'll appreciate this as a bay area guy the uh somebody found this uh, chain link area that you could get over and get onto the uh, the BART tracks where you would Ooh. go. Uh, I've been in the BART tracks before because I was a graffiti writer when I was a kid, and so we would like sneak down there. But this was like a very narrow, like with just a, a foot long walkway. And we and somebody r- said that there was like a room inside of the tunnel that was between Oakland and Contra, Contra Costa County. That there was this little, I don't know how they knew that, but like a little antechamber. We were always like looking for antechambers too. Like there was another one that was like a sewer tunnel in Oakland, in Rockridge, that I could show somebody where it is right now. But it's basically you go down and we would bring flashlights. And Hairspray and lighter so that we could like torch spiders if we saw them and there was a little antechamber there too And there's an
0: antechamber like a little
1: you know a room inside of a tunnel like a like okay. a I don't know what why it was there, but there was like this little sewer room in there that this guy frohawk lived in and uh, It was he was like a black punk rocker. He but lived there. He did he he had like he lived on a lawn <laughs> on a, a lawn uh, a, a, Like a pool folding chair down there. He slept. I slept wow. there one night actually, but anyway so we were always just, do you not relate to that? Like you were always like looking, you yeah. and your friends like looking for a weird place to do sure. ill. Explore. Yeah, exactly. Kids love to do that kind Kids, of shit. Yeah. So we were in there and I was like, I was kind of chubby when I was a kid. So they made me go at the back. It was like a one person, you know, walkway to get to the room in the middle of the tunnel, not the sewer tunnel, but now the BART train tunnel. And we're on this little one foot like walkway and um, I was at the back of the line And we were walking toward the room and, of course, we would get into the tunnel and we could feel all of a sudden like the air got hot and sucked out of of the uh, tunnel. And it was like, uh uh-oh. And you could hear that little, little, like, beep, 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 beep. And the train was coming. And it was like, it was so close to us. I, I can't. My memory—I don't know if my memory is accurate—but my memory is that it was like, I mean, this cl- as close as this mic is to me, it's just like, foof, 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 foof. Oh, and God. we were all like up against the wall. And then well, the funny part was that we all stopped, and then the train stopped. I remember they pulled the like the train stopped in the tunnel. Maybe they must maybe they saw us or something, and uh, somehow it stopped. I, I I don't know. Maybe that's not an accurate memory, but I feel like yes, the train stopped, and I I know that. The people at the, the front of the line screamed, turn around and like run. Oh, but wow. now all of a sudden, fat Moshe, young fat Moshe, YFM is at the front of the <laughs> line. Right. And it's like a sort of stand by me situation because I'm like chubby ass like and there's all this wind coming at me because the wind has all been pushed by the train. So I'm like trying to run from the train conductor and. They're screaming. All my friends like, run, 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 you fat motherfucker, run! Oh
2: my god,
1: one of the worst, scariest, craziest experiences. And then the train finally pulled off, and uh, we like hopped back over and like shaking. We like smoked weed in the just in in public. We're like, fuck it, (laughs) we don't need to. We don't (laughs) don't need need to to go to the
0: caverns. (laughs) Me and a buddy of mine in high school hopped on the back of um, the T in Boston. Uh, You know the um, the public transport. It's a, a train essentially. It stopped and uh, we jumped onto the tracks and climbed onto the back
1: and rode it the train surfed on the back I've done that not on a train, but on the the uh, The buses the uh, AC transit buses There was a trick where you could grab the there there used to be like a handle on the back of the bus and you put your feet on the bumper and ride like basically ride it like you were like a Illegal immigrant or Mm -hmm. something and we would just do that for fun from (sighs) once if you want to take like one stop or whatever
0: It was so scary because was, It was so stupid. It's like the risk of like falling off of that thing was so dumb. You were on top of it No, we were on the
1: back. Oh just holding on just like yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so crazy
0: Like standing on something and holding on to something But it wasn't a good grip It wasn't you know, and if there was anything that really bumped you not that it would on a train But if it did most likely I would have let go. I mean it was fun though being young <sighs> was very fun Stupid being stupid was fun It's just amazing when you think about how many times things like that happened. You go, oh, yeah, there was that time. Like, you asked me, did I do anything dangerous? I'm like, hmm, let me think. And you have to go over these things. Like, we did a lot of stupid shit, a lot of climbing things you shouldn't have climbed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We
1: started a fire
0: once in a warehouse.
1: I remember once we found this chemical in a... uh, a, Somebody broke into a car and found all this chemical. I don't know what it was, but it was some... Like volatile, flammable chemical, Oof. and there was this cement slide at the elementary school in the neighborhood that we lived in, and so we poured the chemical down the slide and lit it on oh, fire. Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Just like not familiar with the concept of explosives, but it w- there was a wall of flame. I don't know what it was, but it was so big that we were. I think we were on acid, and and <laughs> and we were in the after this big old wall of sliding flame, like like. The cop we were chilling out in this place the grassy field up above there and the cops came and they were like we've heard reports that there's someone playing with a (laughs) flamethrower. I remember we just laughed so much at these cops because like uh, anyway that that was a good memory. Well we were uh, lighting bottle rockets in this field and um,
0: one of the bottle rockets ignited some grass. And I stomped on some of the grass, but then some it started out real small, like a laptop-sized mm. fire, you know? Stomped on it, but it just kept going. It's going left and right, and then you try to circle around, but then the side of it gets bigger, and then you can't catch it. And then it got to the point where we're like, oh, fuck, I can't do this. I can't, I can't stomp this out. And then it's whoosh. then it became a fire. and That's we were, scary. Yeah, we were like 13. And we ran, and we got to the street. Right when we got to the street, just dumb luck, a cop was there. We just gave it up right away. We accidentally started a fire. Uh And the cop was like, get the fuck out of here. And we ran and we ran and then the uh, fire truck came and then we assessed it the next day. We went by. We didn't go anywhere near it. We were just hoping and praying. Like to this day, my parents don't know I did it. But hoping and praying that nobody died and that, you know, we, we didn't go to jail. So we didn't tell anybody about it. And then we went the next day and it was just it's massive Jesus. surface area of fire. So everything was black, this enormous field, like several football fields sized. You know, obviously That's my really memory of 13. You know?
1: I, uh, I remember that we were once out in we were all in mushrooms. I remember this. This is all when I'm like thirteen, by the way.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I mean it was that's the problem. That's why I got sober so young. You're a bad example though
0: for someone who like uses worst. drugs yeah. as like, well, if you do drugs it fucks your brain up because look, you're very smart.
1: <laughs> did, fine. did a lot of acid,
0: did a lot of mushrooms.
1: Yeah. I loved it. I dude, I loved it. We talked about it last time I was here, how mm-hmm. much I fondly remember um, psychedelics anyway but you you're sober because of other things no you know in reality i think we talked about this last time but in reality it's like now that i look back you know especially writing that book the book covers all this stuff all these like wayward youth stories all these insane it's called Casher in the rye in case anybody wants it i'm very proud of it Uh, but it's like once i wrote that book i realized like i was a wild kid just like you, you know, or or maybe wilder than when you were really young. But I was a wild kid with a lot of behavioral issues, a lot of mental health stuff going on, not like, not like chronic and systemic, but like c- circumstantial, you know, and I spent a lot of time thinking of myself as like an alcoholic, and I don't know what, what, I, if I even believe that that, I don't even know if I believe in that label any longer, but You don't believe in the label alcohol? Let's talk about this afterwards. I mean, well, basically, I don't know. Basically, it has nothing to do. People always want to ask you that. I go, Mm -hmm. oh, I got sober when I was 15. They go, oh, crazy. What were you doing? And Mm -hmm. it's like, then the answer is always very embarrassing. It's like nothing, acid, pot, drinking. And now I realize, like, it's not really embarrassing because the only reason it's embarrassing is because I've been like, I want to say heroin. I, so the people will go. Oh, I acknowledge that that's legitimate, but right. I don't have that story That's not the truth. The truth is really the the question is why did should be why did you get sober? And the answer probably would be because I was a juvenile delinquent and that was the way out that I found at the time and I probably Could take mushrooms now and be fine, mm. but I don't know. You know,
0: that's interesting That's really interesting. So do you, do you ever think about exploring it? Definitely. Yeah, but, I think we did talk about this right. last time. Yeah, but definitely I do. But what what keeps you from doing that? Is is it this distinction that you have, where you're you're a sober person?
1: For sure, there's that membrane. I think about that a lot. This mm-hmm. like membrane. You're either you're like like you are either you are or you are not. Right. And that's part of it. Part of it is a uh, you know uh, harm reduction best practices type of thing. It's mm. like everything's good. You know, I know a lot of drug addicts. I know a lot of people that use drugs and have great experiences. Right. But, I know a lot of people that got sober and thought, "Oh, I'll try again," and then they're all fucked up right. I don't necessarily think that would be me, but I do know that right uh and one of, and finally, I just yeah, I guess I worry about like just habituating mm. but I mean, it hasn't affected you. it seems to have affected you in the opposite way yeah you're you're but every, better,
0: but everybody's different,
1: yeah, know? everybody is yeah. different.
0: And what I, I'm not doing coke. You know? <laughs> you I'm not shouldn't. doing
1: meth. There's no argument for meth or coke. I mean, yeah. maybe even, co- I mean, there's no argument for meth, period. That just doesn't, it doesn't, It's not going to expand your mind. Although I guess there's an argument for Adderall. Yes. Yeah, if you want to sit down and write a script over a weekend, there is an argument to be made for that might it, be a bullshit script about cleaning <laughs> Yeah <laughs> <laughs> a
0: script about organizing your underwear based on color
1: uh, drugs are weird man yeah. I, I mean, I'm a big drug advocate big time hmm. uh, I'm not I'm I, I I think that they're powerful and, and and necessary and I want I want psychedelic experiences well, i've had them but i had them i always say like the funny part about taking mind expanding drugs when you're 12 years old is that there's very little mind upon which to expand mm. you know you're like doing these things that are like ram das-esque like you know deep diving into the fractal pool of re- existential reality and there's nothing there you're just like point it's so there's it's a weird experience like you're yeah. having these freakouts, and you know your mind is bursting open but uh I certainly wish, I would like the experience of trying that with an adult brain. Maybe it would be worse. Mm, maybe,
0: but I doubt it. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that what, what drugs do, what any drug does, is it alters your brain chemistry, right? And everybody's brain chemistry is different. So some people could use a cup of coffee. Right. And some people, it freaks them out. And some people could use some pot. And some people, it just... There's a lot of people that I know that they just go into deep, paranoid fits if they get involved with marijuana in any way, shape, or form. Right. Whereas I kind of like that self-exploratory and examination aspect of it because I think, I think it's far too easy to be cocky. It's far too easy to not be introspective or that paranoid feeling. I think it just it forces your brain to examine all these perhaps uncomfortable truths.
1: But you're saying you like the paranoia aspect of weed. I think
0: it's beneficial.
1: That's really interesting. I've never heard that before. I think
0: it's beneficial because I think what you're paranoid of when you're paranoid the the unless you're thinking the government's spying on you like like i know a buddy who was a big time pothead and he started thinking that the that the government was waiting outside of his house with a car and they were watching him constantly everywhere he went and as soon as he left they would come out of the bushes like he got a little crazy right but i think he had his own issues yeah and he was also dealing with his dad was dying there was a lot a lot going on
1: well that's one of the weird parts of drugs is that and i don't think that i have this you obviously don't but one of the weird things about drugs is if you have latent mental illness and you get into your brain and you pour a chemical on it, it'll, it'll unlatent itself. You yeah, know, yeah. It'll, it, the the dragon will uncoil and make itself known. I don't think that's, I'm not worried about that for me, but I think that is interesting. I've seen that a lot. Like a dude's like 25 and it's like, oh, I think I'll try, start trying psychedelics or weed. And mm-hmm. it just goes in there and it's like, oh, you didn't know you had that. Not that they wouldn't have had that experience anyway, but it's right. definitely a, a uh, incidental onset of mental illness.
0: Yeah, there was a study they did about um, the correlation between marijuana and schizophrenia because a lot of people have tried to connect marijuana to schizophrenia. And what they found is essentially the numbers are stable. It's 1%. It's 1% mm-hmm. across the board. So it's 1% that whether they're doing pot or not doing pot. And so you can make that correlation like this guy got into pot and look at all these examples of people who started smoking pot right. and became schizophrenic. But that's just humans. Like, yeah. There's a certain percentage of people that just will become mentally ill.
1: That's, a scary, that's the scariest thing. I have a brother who's schizophrenic. Yeah. And it's like the scariest thing ever. Regular kid. Regu- totally regular sweet person. And then all of a sudden one day it was like, are you okay? And then a couple years later it's like, oh, you're, you are done. Your brain is cooked. And what, is, what, is, what happens? Well, uh, he was in New York, so I didn't see the entire Uncoiling, but it's basically you know it starts weird and gets weirder, and then at a certain point you're like, oh, you're a different, you're a different human being. Like you just, you know, giggling to himself, smirking, weird outbursts, just scary, scary stuff. And it's like your brain turns on you, and there's no, I mean, I, it happened around when my dad died, so I sometimes I think to myself like, oh, maybe that was it. Maybe you know, in the same way you pour weed on it, maybe if you pour you pour trauma on it because sure. trauma is a brain chemistry buster too. 100%. And so I think that probably like popped the scab open or whatever mm. that was in his brain. But yeah, a year later it was like, oh, you're a different person. You don't have the same personality. You don't... It's. It just shows you how much of you is just brain chemistry and how lucky you are in the same way you're lucky not to get, you know, kidnapped by a monster at the library. You're also lucky that the monster wasn't living inside your brain. Yeah. Me too.
0: Well... <sighs> there's there's all sorts of different kinds of mental illnesses you know i'm sure i've got a few right it's like whether or not they're beneficial that's the other thing is like when i I was talking to michael irvin once the football player and he was describing to me what happens to someone's brain when they're in the womb when the mother experiences violence Uh, the mother experiences any sort of violence or really bad neighborhoods or around traumatic situations that it it elevates the, uh, fight or flight response in the baby. So kids come out of the womb, like pre, uh, predetermined to overreact to violent situations or dangerous situations. I definitely think I have that. That's interesting. I I can, I ramp up way too quick. I calm myself and I'm, I'm very aware of it. So I, I, I control it and I'm, I'm, I know what it is, but like if something goes on Mm -hmm. like i i hit red line like immediately where it goes from zero to a hundred miles an hour in like a second and that's not usually manageable
1: right i mean that maybe that's a a link to our earlier conversation about uh the patriarchy i mean if you can pass on incidental trauma to a child because Mm. the mom is experiencing violence if a woman is living in the you know infrastructural like 2700,000 layers deep of infrastructural oppression, then it stands to figure that a female child is born with a little bit of that trauma too. Mm. And a little bit of, you know, DNA based, like, um, maybe I won't fight that fight or maybe I won't be pushy or maybe I won't be a loud broad or maybe I won't, you know, argue because that's not feminine or, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so all of that in, you know, trauma, intergenerational trauma, which is, and study and proven right is maybe is maybe in every woman that you've ever met
0: yeah oh no doubt about it I mean I think all of us have some form of programming I mean have you ever mm-hmm. been around a kid who has an overly oppressive dad you know and they're 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 handicapped by it yep. literally like whether it's a boy or a girl they, their life is affected by this overbearing person who's constantly engaging in manipulation and control of their reality
1: Yep, that's what you get when you, you you ever had a i'm sure you've had a friend that's a drug addict yeah the most tempting thought in the world when you have a friend that's a drug addict is just like why don't you just stop just yeah. stop doing that. That's stop it. It seems so stoppable because it's so selfish and so, like, obviously the wrong thing to do. And you're over here doing the right thing and such with such ease. And what having my brother's mental illness, my, my younger brother, it made me realize is like you actually have the same thought when there's a mentally ill person. It's just with the, the, the next reality is like, oh, he, he really can't. It, it makes everything clearer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sickness, cancer, you don't say to the person, stop. Because you're just like, oh, you can't. Mental illness, you say stop, but then you realize you can't. Drug addiction, which is like kind of a mental illness, you say stop, and it seems seductive to believe that they could stop. And if you could really be compassionate and say, oh, he can't, that's like, you know, that's like compassion nirvana.
0: Yeah, And you can take it to another place, too, with gambling. mm -hmm. It's really the same thing. It's manipulation of human neurochemistry, like somehow or another, uh, betting money on things gives you that charge that you cannot you can't escape the grip of it like there's a lot of people that are really really addicted to gambling i've seen it it's crazy which is really crazy that the government has fucking legalized gambling everywhere at gas stations right those goddamn scratch tickets are nothing more than legalized gambling right lottery legalized are you, gambling
1: are you an, you're not anti-gambling what? though i mean i'm for it i, no, I, by I the way, enjoy I'm, it
0: yeah i mean I, I don't do it a lot but like before I worked for the UFC, I used to bet on fights all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. But you
1: don't have the you don't have the bug, or no. do you? I, no, certainly I don't, don't have the bug. No,
0: I used to enjoy betting on pool too. I used mm-hmm. to play pool a lot, and I would gamble on pool games. But it just made it more thrilling. I never got addicted to it. But right. you do um, you run the risk you run the risk you run the risk of getting caught up in it. Maybe to a lesser extent than someone who has an issue. Like, right. So I people seem to have inherent issues with it. Like
1: it. Oh, just yeah. Like it gets They're you. Filipino.
0: Ooh, they love playing pool and gambling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I shouldn't. But the Filipino <laughs> I got a culture. race theory. Okay. Thank you, Joe, because now it's time for me to bring up my grand race theory. Okay. Okay. The Filipinos. No, I don't have anything.
0: <laughs> Filipinos are some of the best pool players in the world. Is that right? Yeah. And it all ca- happened in uh, after the war. After the war, uh, GIs went to the Philippines and they introduced pool. Interesting, and uh, you know it doesn't cost a lot. All you need is a table. There's a lot of outdoor tables in Manila and a lot of the islands. There's thousands of islands. I don't know if you've ever been. Yeah, no, I never been, I've but never I know how. Either. I
1: know how it does. It seems like a, a contiguous country, and it just so isn't. Yeah, like culturally too. Like from one to the next. Like there's yeah. like Muslim extremists here and mm-hmm. like Catholics here. By I the way, they're the like v- weird alt-right feel. people too. Are they I, really? I get like. You know, I'm kind of in the muck of the internet sometimes, you know, and I'm kind of like trying to shake up some of these uh, uh, alt-right trees, you know. What do you mean? I don't know. I just like getting into it, you know. How and do you get into it? I like, you know, I post and then people shitpost me and then I kind of like go shitpost. back and forth. You know, the shitposters Jamie are- Jamie had to explain shitposting to me. Oh, yeah. Explain <laughs> yeah. shitposting well, to people. Well, shitposting, you know, these are the people that, that they, they, they think of themselves as the people that memed Trump into the White House, right? right. They're, they're kind of like, they're almost like- uh, the people that think that the right is the new punk rock, that's who they are. They're like, yes. they're they're down to like get in and, and they, they think that the disruption of society is inherently good. So they, or they don't care and they just want to fuck shit up. Right. So they, you know, they'll, they're the people that, like when I get an anti-Semitic post lobbed at me with like a big old nose and like a, hey Jew, oy vey, shut him down. Like the, I can't express to you how like. Water off my back that, like, it couldn't bother me less. You know what I mean? Like, because I just know that it's probably like an Asian kid or, like, you know, a black kid. It, it's like, it's not even actual anti Semitism, it's like a computer person going, Let's just fuck with some like
0: people. this is the this is the attack, like if you were going to play chess, rook
1: to king, whatever you know it's less thought out than that, mm. it's just messy and chaotic, and what's the most offensive in most insane, you know most wild, crazy attack that I can make and right. so uh there there's a philosophy there's a weird kind of anarchistic philosophy to it but then it started in 4chan and kind of you know it bubbled out to uh, uh to uh, anonymous is an outcropping of of the 4chan i wouldn't call them shit posters because they have like at least kind of a cogent philosophy you know mm-hmm. but uh anyway the shit posters are the people that when you tweet something sincere about how angry you are about trump all of a sudden you see like 90 cartoons of like the most offensive thing that you could possibly imagine. You're like, why did these people, why are they attacking me? And it's because they're like looking for people, little whiny bitches like you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're like, oh, we found a little whiny bitch. Come this way. And then all of a sudden, it's just a tidal wave of these things. Well, if you call them. If you say their name, that's where it gets really strange. Like
0: They're what like Amy Schumer has done, exactly what she's. Do- I, I looked at some posts that she made recently about some magazine cover that she was on. Yeah, showed up on my feed, and then I read the comments. I was like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, she if she was a ship. It would be so filled with rats, you'd have to light it right, on fire. Right.
1: Right. It's it, yeah. It's, it is like rats and barnacles too, because it's just like all of a sudden they're just like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> yeah. But barnacles could be on a cool ship. Yeah.
0: And you get in there, and there's a lot of people drinking and having a good time, and the barnacles <laughs> on the outside. Now, this is rats because no. it's everywhere. It's in the pantry. It's in every aspect of it.
1: It is. It is uh, a part of the new landscape in where that we live. This digital landscape is filled with. I. I, I mean, in a way, I. I mean, I don't. I don't like them. Obviously, they're not nice, but and I think decency is is a sad uh, collateral damage of the digital age. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like everybody's indecent now. Somehow, people think that being indecent is positive, and and that if somebody disagrees with you politically, like it's fun and okay to just try to destroy that person emotionally.
0: Well, you're not really. Communicating with them in in front of you. Yeah, exactly. The, that that is a huge aspect of being a person is looking at someone while you communicate with them. Yeah. You remove and, that. There's consequences to that.
1: Well, yeah. Everything. The a big problem is othering, and the yeah. and the internet has made othering so simple and easy. Right. You know, it's like right. there, I just was watching this documentary, and they were talking about. Um, it was this really good documentary, actually, about I forget the name of it, but it was about this guy who he's a black dude that confronts KKK members. Like one on one, you know, and he like talks to them. Yeah, and converts them. He converts them and he's yeah. like he's de hooded like twenty four clansmen or whatever. And he, there was a story, <laughs> or hooded them as it were. Well, it's or the hood. <laughs> Come this way. There's actually an, a very intense. Have you seen the documentary? No, I haven't, this but I've s- heard of it. Super intense moment in the film because the whole time you're with the guy, he's so charismatic and brilliant and interesting, and you're like, wow, this what's guy's. What's the name of it? Um, this guy's Jamie? righteous. Can you look it up? Sorry, I can find it. What's his name? He's really That's fascinating. Right, we'll Jamie will find it. What's, um, what's the moment? so there's a moment in the documentary where you're you're, the whole time you're in there going like this guy's righteous and awesome. and cool and de hooding these people. And then he goes and speaks with these black lives matter activists who are, Oh yeah. Accidental courtesy. That's right. Daryl Davis and race in America. And, uh, he's interesting, but then he goes and he talks to these black lives matter activists and they're so angry with him. They're so not into what he's doing. Um, because they're basically like we are in the streets fighting for black america and here you are spending your entire life talking to these racists and you've only you've only de-hooded 24 of them but it's also so there's there's a point that they're making it's like what are you even doing what's even the point of what you're doing but his point is like i'm making micro victories i'm i'm, I'm converting people one person at a time but there's a bigger conversation which is really interesting which is that the the person that is closest to you ideologically is more offensive to you when they don't do what you want them to than the person that's furthest away. Mm. In in other words, when a person calls me Jew online, some dude in the Philippines with like an anime avatar and he puts like anti-Semitic stuff, I give a fuck about that. That's not real. That's not real to me. But when a person who like seems like they should get it, who seems like they should know that better says some weird anti-Semitic shit or talks about like, You know how Kushner is connected like the global Zionism is like that's when it bothers me more does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it does it does because you think like they should know better and they're ruining the cause because they're connected to your ideology
1: Exactly, so at at any rate, there's a story in there where he talks about uh, Talking to this person who's like uh, He lived in an all-white town Except one of the Klansmen that was de-hooded talks about he lived in this all-white town and he was raised very racist and that black people were the worst. And there was one black family, like the Johnsons or whatever, and his father told him all black people are the worst. They're, they're, they're monkeys. They're the worst, except the Johnsons. The Johnsons are good. They're good people. And he had this realization, this like tickle in his brain of like, wait, my father hates all the black people except the black family that he's met? Like all black people are bad except the one group that he's actually met and that is like the phenomenon of othering right it's like yeah oh black people are bad muslims are bad but actually my friend tom the muslim he's nice but muslims want to kill me but but tom over here he's a good dude hmm anyway i think othering is like the big one of the big problems that we have
0: well it's also i think what's going on with black lives matter one of the things that's going on is that they're in the middle of the battle Right, so right. if you're in the middle of battle every day, you wake up prime for battle. You know, uh-huh. you're getting online, you're active, you're, you're you know, you're activating your membership, you're you know, organizing, doing whatever. And then if this guy comes along and he's doing something totally different. He's out there talking to the clansmen. You go, know, "Fuck those people, man! What yeah. are you doing?"
1: Right, totally. Yeah, I, I was I was, for my show that uh my that I'm uh, my Comedy Central show. We're doing like we just did a cultural appropriation episode, and I was uh. Studying, So I was studying, I was like deep in the cultural appropriation. I was reading so much shit about it. But one of the more interesting things it said about Black Lives Matter, it's kind of connected to this, is that one thing that happens with cultural appropriation and things in general is that people seize on language. We're in like a crazy language war right now, right? Like so many of the phrases that we use uh, are so charged with secondary and tertiary meaning that we can not they, they don't even mean anything anymore. Like right. white privilege is a concept that the moment you bring it up, There's so many levels of eye roll That it's like I don't even think it's a useful phrase anymore Because it's like The moment you say white privilege Then a person The white person Who you're saying is privileged Is going like Fuck you And the minute someone's saying Fuck you The conversation has ended Yeah So the thing they said About Black Lives Matter was Also a lot of silly people Use that expression No doubt That's the weird baggage That it, it has Like it's the thing that we learned about, that I learned about cultural appropriation, because for me, I I roll my eyes so deeply at the concept of cultural appropriation. Right? It's like, oh, so I shouldn't eat burritos anymore? Is that yeah. is that what you're? Also, I always think I'm always really tickled with the idea of like the person saying, oh, you shouldn't wear that tribal gear, and then it's like, go to the third world country where the market is and tell the the like impoverished pe- uh, merchant, like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't buy this bit of silk from you because it's racist for me to wear it that person's like please please buy it and wear it like or you know what i'm saying or like the family that's like oh it would be a great honor if you would wear this sorry or whatever right so it's a big eye roll except then you start to think like upon reading it it's like oh the thing is it's not incidental it's emotional it's like deeper than than just like trying to parse out the logic and go oh well i found an example where your thing falls apart it's like it's emotion. There's an emotional reaction, like when, when somebody, you know, affects, you know, dreads up their hair, even though you can say, but people have been dreading their hair in other cultures for a million years. Vikings had dreads, and that mm-hmm. is true. You, it doesn't matter because the person that's in front of you, it, that's a black person, that's going, I have pain when I'm, I have this pain that I'm looking at, you know, a person that's affecting my culture without any of the negative parts, right? So you can, you can wear the hair. And you can have the dress. Yeah, but why is
0: that okay just because of the word culture? Because if, if that's the case with someone else some, someone else wearing something that you might find a... Fair, like, what if you're a person that's extremely uh, conservative when it comes to dress, and you see a woman in a short skirt, and you have pain, should that impose upon that woman's ability to wear that skirt?
1: No, definitely. And I'm not making a case that anybody's pain ought to be automatically uh, uh, adopted as, like, a behavioral standard, right? That's, right. that's not really... What I I learned from this whole discussion is it's like it's not really about going. No one is really saying except the most emotionally kind of uh, inferior, like the person that doesn't have the language to express what they're really saying. Almost no one that I read when I was reading these real like intellectuals and their concepts of cultural appropriation is saying white people should stop doing this stuff altogether. Almost no one. I didn't find one left wing woke article that said white people should stop adopting the culture of other, uh, of people of color, right? Okay. I I read a lot of right-wing think pieces that were saying this is absurd, why are you telling us to stop adopting these cultures? Isn't all culture a melting pot and all culture borrowing? But not... Once did I read somebody saying, "White people stop this altogether." Well, what did you read? So, so mostly, and I hope I can articulate this well because I'm I'm not the best advocate for this position because, like I said, it's 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 one that I struggle with. It's I, dubious. It's dubious and difficult, and, yeah. and and there are ridiculous parts of the cultural appropriation argument. But one thing that like, it's all connected to historical trauma. It's mm-hmm. all deeper. Like basically let's see if i can articulate this well what this one um this one person and i wish i could find his name actually but because uh, he deserves it because he's a really deep thinker about this stuff was talking about was that you know we have racism right racism is a a huge word that that describes everything from a white person like hugging their purse closer to their chest when a black person walks by or even like a weird like you know, just the smallest little racial weirdness, all the way to lighting across on somebody's fire on somebody's lawn, uh, to murdering someone. Like that's all mm-hmm. encompassed in racism. So they started trying to like parse it out. People are going, oh, when you call someone a racist, right? They go, I'm not a racist. You're calling me a monster. And then somebody will go, Oh no, I meant like a systemically racist it's like it, you need more specific right okay. e- examples so cultural appropriation is one white privilege is another there's all these like right
0: but still we'll go back to cult, what what Cultural appropriation, like you said, that no one was
1: saying, "Don't do it." Right. So what they, what? So what are
0: they doing when they're trying to chop someone's dreads off?
1: Okay, I don't know about the, I mean, what, what example? You mean the San Francisco State example where the girl attacked the guy? I mean, that girl was just inarticulately expressing some insanity. I don't, I don't think that's defensible. And I, and I think most of the articles and the stuff that I read about that specific instance are just like basically saying that woman's an, an. a, a lunatic.
0: Well, I've heard people though enforce it and I know someone who was mad at their friend is a black girl, was mad at her friend who was a white girl, who had braids. Uh-huh. She had like cornrows and she was mad because she was saying that it's cultural, appropri- cultural appropriation. I said, do you know about Bo Derek?
1: Right. Like, right.
0: The, like she was one of the first people to ever have cornrows. Or the Romans, rose. you know, there's yeah. cornrows
1: on Roman coins yeah. actually,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing to call that cultural appropriation, but also saying that a white person shouldn't wear that. That's fucking crazy, because what, do you, what about a black guy wearing a polo shirt?
1: Well, okay, so, okay, th- there's a good example, right? Yeah. Is, uh, a- and again, I'm not, like I said, I'm not the greatest advocate for this position. I just read so much that made me empathize with the position. Not necessarily agree with it, but empathize with where it's coming from. So the polo, for example, when you see you as a white dude or me as a white dude, when I see somebody wearing a polo, it's just a polo. It has no historical antecedent. It has no historical baggage to it. There's it mm-hmm. no connection to r- systemic racism or, or Elvis Presley stealing the cream of the intellectual musical crop and then never giving back to that community or mm-hmm. Iggy Azalea coming in, adopting a black accent and then just like taking all the money and running. You know, it has no connection to deeper root systems like these trees have that communicate with each other, like taste bitter. Right. So all it is is a polo it's just a guy wearing a polo right. and that's why the the counter argument doesn't make sense because it's like nobody's upset when they see a black dude in a polo shirt mm-hmm. uh, i mean maybe some weird racist guy is is but mostly not on the other hand when a person sees a, a, a like a, a a white person affecting a deep part of black culture without any of the Uh, baggage that is associated with it. Like, for example, dreads, right? One of the arguments I I read a lot is that like white people wearing braids and dreads, you know, you get rewarded for it. You look cool. You look awesome. Uh, And meanwhile, black women are having a difficult time getting a job because they have black hair. Uh, or black people are getting fired from jobs because they have dreads, right? So there's these consequences that black people experience because of black shit that white people that are adopting it don't necessarily experience. I don't think
0: that's true at all. I think if you were working in an office and some white dude had dreads, you would be highly suspicious of his behavior. Well, for example- You'd the, be like, this, this guy's kind of like hear, a dork. I hear what you're saying. I, I mean, want to hire him. There's, There's a an, guy who had hair like you, and right next to him is some stinky white dude with them stinky dreads, because dreads stink.
1: Okay, take dreads out, let's say. Let's, that's a good example that okay. you used. There, in the U.S. military, there was just a, a, new, um, a new set of acceptable hairstyles, and mo- almost every one of the unacceptable hairstyles that they, that they, ex- that they put into place was basically black hair. Like what? Braids, wearing your hair natural um, I don't know the natural. What do you mean? I mean, I would have to, we'd have to be like up, an Afro.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. A, a short, short Afro. Yeah.
1: I mean, you're it, not allowed to do that. You, you'd have to pull up the article to give the specific okay. examples, but basically there are a million different examples like that. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not necessarily an advocate for heed and, and honor the call of the appropriation accuser. I'm more like now realizing that, uh, I'm more now realizing that there's like just a lot of deep, emotional, weird trauma underneath every, every accusation of appropriation. It's not that I think, therefore, white girls shouldn't wear braids. It's that I think I understand more where the person that is upset is coming from it just from a compassion perspective. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I get that. I get that. It just logically
0: it doesn't. jive. It's it's not about logic. Yeah, but it should be. All human interaction should have some base in logic if you're going to communicate with things.
1: I don't agree because emotions aren't about logic.
0: Right, but should anybody be subject to your own emotions? Like, should you change your behavior, your dress. If you're a person who's completely not racist but you enjoy the way your hair looks Mm -hmm. if it's in braids, should you take into consideration all the people that you're going to run into and they're going to be upset at you over braids even though they're ignorant about the history of braids and cornrows? Should you alter your change your behavior? Should you accept the fact that you're just going to have a certain amount of cultural appropriation?
1: Well, let me ask you this. Like, if you... I, I don't have an answer to that question. I don't but think... Isn't so. I,
0: that I, a, is an important part of this? I mean, if you're going to accept the fact there's some sort of an emotional attachment to these mm-hmm. things, and that's where the argument comes from, shouldn't you d- decide or at least contemplate whether or not that emotion's valid? It doesn't seem to be. It seems to be there's real examples of racism and horrible things. Like, if you want to you know, uh, make your eyes squinty and look like a Japanese character from a Bugs Bunny cartoon in, you know, 1940, and then you want to go to a party and people think you're a racist, you should you should be aware that you're presenting an image that is inherently racist. Like, that's, that's something that's kind of fucked up, and you should be considerate about the way people's emotions are going to fire up looking at your image. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's a different thing than
1: braids. Oh, but... Oh, but that's what I'm... I'm not advocating... First of all, I'm not advocating anything. I'm just saying I've i've delved into this topic enough that i've started to understand where people are coming from when they when they get activated by this i understand
0: too but i think a big part of it is reinforcement in the community that that's acceptable to be upset at people for cornrows or braids i
1: don't and i don't i actually don't disagree with you i think you're right about that and yet i think it also is connected to like a a legitimate emotional reality that's happening like for example by the way logic is is very important, and I would say logic is more important than emotion when it comes mm-hmm. to communication, but it doesn 't because something is more important doesn 't negate the the importance of the other thing.
0: well, it certainly doesn 't solve the situation just by clearly using logic. You might get a certain percentage of the people that agree with you because of logic, but that 's more rare than it is common right
1: it 's like yeah. would you would you feel comfortable going to a native American powwow You know, with a headdress on, not even a powwow. There's a powwow next door, you can see it, and you're at a music festival. Would you wear an Indian headdress? No, I
0: wouldn't, but the reason why you can't and the reason why you shouldn't or the reason why it's an issue is because the people are marginalized. Let me take my own people. I'm Italian, and my people, for the longest time, there was a lot of anti-Italian racism. My grandfather used to talk to me about it, what it was Mm -hmm. like coming off the boat, but then somewhere along the line, it became acceptable for Italians in in, in American culture where it's not... There's no real racism. It doesn't stick. Like Mm -hmm. you call an Italian Italian a guinea. You can call us a guinea to our face. We we will laugh. No no one cares. You can make meatballs and spaghetti all day long. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody nobody accuses you of, uh, you know, you have a pizza party. Nobody thinks it's cultural appropriation. But try having a taco party. Try having Taco Tuesdays. People get pissed at you. Why? Because Mexicans still experience real racism in this country, whereas Italians largely just don't.
1: Right. And like Taco Tuesday is an example of something that's like, who fucking cares? That's not important. And, and and so if wearing a
0: sombrero is, yeah, exactly. is offensive but if to that's a lot as, of people.
1: If that's as that's as deep as most people go, right, right. is that's dumb. What are you talking about? A candy to taco? I mean that's dumb. Right. And it is dumb. But if you kinda like get under the dumb, which is the name of my, my Third up, my third special. So it's mouth Dumb? It's live live in Oakland. <laughs> mouth mouth-fucking mouth-fucking Hitler. Hitler, and then get under the dumb. <laughs> but if you get under the first, like the most you know, epidermal layer of like flashy insanity, and go like, what's really happening here? Is like, oh. It's just what you're saying. Actually you're more woke than you than you let on, Jim. Mm, interesting. It's like it's really about like power dynamics. It's yeah. not really about the appropriation incident, although on some level maybe it is. It's really about the power dynamic underneath it.
0: Well I think one of the things that we're seeing in universities in particular is people that are exercising the ability to affect change. Even if it doesn't make sense, uh-huh. because they have the ability to uh, point out something that they think is in- incorrect or is unjust, and then they attack it and go after it, and then they see results. Right, and by seeing those results. It's almost in a lot of ways kind of attached to the same idea, like if you're worth X amount of dollars, why do you still chase money? Because you're Uh trying to get the thrill of the accomplishment. There's the game that's going on. And there's a certain amount of game going on trying to get that white kid that you don't even know to cut off his dreads. Whether or not you know that the Romans wore dreads, whether or not you know that the Greeks wore dreads, the Vikings, Mm -hmm. all these different people had them. It doesn't matter. It's like there's a little tiny white guy, and that girl could yell at that white guy, and then chase him with a pair of scissors.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's in, it's the incidents are the absurdity, mm-hmm. but the but the current the conceptual current is somewhat valid. I mean, to some over, degree.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. No,
1: but to some degree, like even you, and I think that you're naturally skeptical towards concepts like cultural appropriation because, and I am too, because as especially as comedians, it's very easy to see the absurdity. It's so yeah. stupid, and it's so it's so pointless. Like, we can't not adopt each other's cultures. That won't ever happen. So, but even we go, okay, but I wouldn't wear a sombrero to a Mexican club. I wouldn't walk into a club like, oh, hey, what's up? Right. So, so if you say, okay, it's almost pornography, right? I know it when I see it, right? Mm -hmm. I know when it's, I know it's offensive when I feel it. Right. You know. Yeah. So if you kind of expand further and go, okay, even the absurd examples, I kind of understand I'm going to try to understand for me, I'm going to try to understand where people are coming from with that then I can kind of contextualize it. Now, I don't have to agree with it, but I can at least say, oh, I get where this is coming from. It's coming from historical antecedents of racism and oppression that are connected to hairstyle and, and, the, and, and uh, all of these uh, musicians that have taken black culture and made money off of it. There's all this like deeper mm. sedimentary layers of emotionality. I don't have to heed it and change accordingly, but I do. I would be foolish to ignore it.
0: Right. Yeah, that, that completely makes sense. And also, I get it from a point of view of a person who comes from a culture that used to be maligned mm-hmm. and isn't anymore.
1: So... I'm from a culture that used to be maligned, and then I thought wasn't anymore, and then very recently things have gotten weird again. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it's really easy to say
0: that Jews are responsible for a large problem, uh, part of the problem in the world today. I've seen it a lot lately. I'm it's like, out. this used to be like really inappropriate thinking and talking just 20 years
1: ago. It used to be very taboo, and it is not anymore. And uh, it's uh, it's it's weird. It's very weird. It's definitely—you I, you know, I, I don't take stu- anti-Semitism— anti-semitism is like the closest I come to believing in magic because it's it's like it's like I'm not a big mystical guy but like anti-semitism has never gone away it Mm. just has and I I could see if you're an anti-semite you're going the evil of the jews is the closest I come to believing in magic because they just never stop being evil like I just don't understand how this never goes away it never goes away it's so fucking weird Like no matter where Jews have lived, no matter how assimilated they've been, you know that the Jews in Berlin were the most assimilated Jews in history. They 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 didn't they were known for having Christmas trees and eating pork, and they they would describe these like Christmas parties where it would only be Jews because the the Germans wouldn't go, but it would be all of them worshiping. I mean, uh, celebrating Christmas. They were the most assimilated Jews ever, and that was the epicenter of the Nazi movement. Yeah. So it follows the Jews. And I mean, I know that I'm sure at least one of your listeners is like, no, the Jews follow it. But it's like, it's crazy. It just won't go away. It's a, it's a, it's a virus that won't ever, ever die down.
0: Well, I think there's, there's a bunch of problems with uh, this anti-Semitic thing going on. Um, And one of them is the accomplishments of the Jews are very disproportionate, especially European Jews. If you look at European Jews and Nobel Prize winners, it's fucking staggering. European Jews who are intellectuals, chess champions, a bunch of, there's a, a select gene pool um, especially, particularly European Jews. Yeah, in, we in also have sciences. bigger dicks. Nobody talks I about that. I like, don't, I don't be, think
1: that's true. You don't think? No. The, the, I think true. I thought, thought it was black Jews, and, and then uh, no.
0: Okay. Well, um, okay. Giant people, small ones, <laughs> probably have huge hogs. <laughs> um, but do you know the story of Fritz Haber? Mm-mm. Fritz Haber is one of the 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 most shocking uh, Jewish stories in terms of uh, a uh, a Jewish scientist who uh, was a part of World War I on the side of the Germans, he also invented the Haber method of extracting nitrogen from the environment. You know, uh, nitrogen is one of the most important things when it comes to fertilizer. We we're talking about fertilizing mm-hmm. plants. And nitrogen is 80% of the air we breathe. Most people think the air is oxygen and carbon dioxide. It's mostly nitrogen. And then there's some oxygen, and then there's some carbon dioxide that we breathe out that the plants use. Um, Fritz Haber figured out a way to extract nitrogen from the ax- the actual oxygen from the, for the, the actual air around us and uh, take that nitrogen and use it in the soil as fertilizer he, and he won a Nobel Prize for that and fifty percent of the nitrogen in most people 's bodies came from the Haber method like his this is like from you know, the early 1900s, this guy figured this out. It's still being used today. He also was the first guy to invent using poison gas, and they use it on the Allied troops in World War One. So he was wanted for crimes against humanity and simultaneously winning the Nobel Prize mm. during World War One. And then when the Nazis took over, he, um, he created Zyklon A. Zyklon A is a—it's— um, It's a gas that has a very distinct smell Mm. and I think it was a pesticide and they used Zyklon A. um, The the smell was added to it to make people acutely aware that this pesticide was being used because it was very poisonous. Mm -hmm. They changed it to Zyklon B which is what they used to gas the Jews. So this fucking guy created the actual gas that was used in the fucking concentration camps to kill the Jews. And they just took the smell out of it. That's how they created Zyklon B. Whatever that thing was that they added to Zyklon A to make it smell bad, they took that out for Zyklon B so it was almost odorless. Mm -hmm. And they were killing people left and right with it. And he was forced out of the country. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy story. I mean, when he was going to um, the front line to help implement his gas uh, on, on the Allied troops, his wife shot herself in front of him. Jesus. And he left his kid behind with his dying wife to go to war. It's fucking crazy. The story's crazy. And he wound up dying, seeking uh, refuge away from Germany. He was one of the few uh, scientists that they didn't, one of the few Jews they didn't lock up. And he, he just couldn't tolerate, I mean, he couldn't stand by while these other Jews that he knew were going to the concentration camps. And people were being rounded up. And did, he did he know? Leaving. Did he know that Zyklon B? Yeah. I think that might have happened like while he was while he was on the run. Not sure. I'd have to get into that but
1: I mean that would be a crazy realization that I mean it's like the you know, the TNT guy, the guy that built dynamite, like realizing what he'd done to the world. I mean
0: how about Oppenheimer?
1: Right. Yeah,
0: I mean Oppenheimer is quoting the Bhagavad Gita. We we played that on the podcast last I week become the
1: death destroyer, destroyer of, of worlds
0: world. <laughs> Fuck man <That> is, <laughs> can
1: you, Speaking of billionaires being evil. I mean yeah. to, to have that quote is like That's a big yikes moment.
0: Yeah, yeah So I mean I think there's that is that Jews have been so almost genetically smart for so long
1: There's a reason for that, you know, what is it? Well, um, it's that Basically, in the whole of the Dark Ages, the Dark Ages are char- characterized by people being illiterate. That's they were in the dark, and only the clergy could read. That the Jews um, were a ninety-eight percent literate people. I mean, and that is literally the reason. If you want to mm. talk, it actually all comes all the way back to systemic oppression, right? In the same way that there are barriers. You know, if you're deaf or if you're black or if you're a woman, there are barriers you have to jump past. If you are given an advantage, I mean, it's all evolution, right? Then you're going to leap forward. And so when you have a history of 500 years where no one in Europe reads except for the Jews and the clergy, well, no shit. They ended up, you know, being at the front lines of, you know, uh, uh, of... Nobel Prize winning and science and intellectualism, not because they're smarter, obviously, but because they just were reading that whole time. Mm. And there's a reason for the idea of Jewish greed, too, is that, you know, about this is, yeah. that, is that, you know, Jesus said something about usury. Basically, Catholics were not OK with uh, lending money at interest at an interest rate that was against the rules. Right. And uh, so you're not going to lend people money for no interest. That's just not how it works. And then there were some people that weren't subject to the rules of Christian anti-usury laws, and those were the Jews. And so the Jews would lend you money at an interest rate. But who do you hate more than anybody on earth? Who's the person you wish were dead? Your creditor. You're the banker that is going to foreclose on your home and is going to now I'm not saying that's good or bad I also hate the banker, but that's just historically speaking when they call Jews money lenders It's not because Jews are like, oh, I'm pernicious and I want to fill this gap It's that mm. nobody else in society would lend people money And so not only were they the creditors that people hated but they were also the financiers that made the possibility of European, you know greatness occur because without capital without funds you can't build a society so uh that is one of the the many reasons that people have come to hate the jews is that they lent them the money and that they needed and then when it was time to come collecting they'd be like fuck this dude
0: so fascinating we could find the root of certain prejudices oh yeah yeah for sure that's a good one those those two are very good ones especially the one about being literate I mean, absolutely, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. it wasn't until like what, was it, like the fourteen hundreds, with Martin Luther, that they just started uh, translating the Bible into a phonetic alphabet, where right. people
1: could read it. I mean, th- stop and think about that. It's crazy. It it is it. What happened with Martin Luther? The, the reformation and the printing press with Martin Luther is the, was the cracking of the old guard of, of society and finally made demo, democratization of knowledge available to everybody. And, you know, the, everybody was at a disadvantage, a historical disadvantage. And the same thing is you can see that truth in other systems. That's a system of oppression, too. Yeah, sure. That's a systemic oppression where the clergy wanted to keep information from the people so that they could keep them stupid and keep them underfoot. Yeah. And those people there was a patriarchy there too, except that the, the patriarch was God or Papa, the Pope, right? Well it
0: was really the the clergy more than it was God. God wasn't really enforcing right. any of these laws. But the the yeah. literal
1: patriarch
2: well, the that, Pope.
0: Was, that was one of the most problematic things about Martin Luther, apparently, was that he was telling people, you're allowed to interpret what this means. Right. Like, You don't have to accept anybody else's interpretation because they're just men as well. Right. These are just human beings interpreting, interpreting the word of God. So if you interpret it to be a different thing, you're allowed to do that. And they'd be like, what in the fuck is this guy saying?
1: Yeah. I mean, think about how seductive that must have been for the church. Like, oh, we can just keep the information from everybody and sure. just tell them anything we want. Well, back then,
0: also, the the Pope had women. The mm-hmm. Pope was allowed to fuck. All the clergy fucked. They were rock stars. They weren't what we think of now as these creepy dudes and molest children. Right. No, they were fucking... They were, these were people that had armies. I mean, they called upon the Pope when Genghis Khan was conquering... Like, he's going over the steps and conquering Russia. They were calling upon the Pope and the, the army of Rome. I mean, right. that's literally where he had power it's very strange when you look at how that's changed and now it's become this weird cabal of odd older gay men you think what do you think of that's about by the way i think you take people's ability to have sex away and the only people that are going to stay are the people that are creepy and sexually repressed and, right and there's a few that hang in there and they say well you know maybe i can just go without sex and right. they, they get weirded out and then sex becomes this horrible taboo thing and of course when sex becomes a horrible taboo thing then people gravitate towards sex as right. soon as you take the uh, ability of people to have sex away from people they w- want to have sex more than they want anything in life
1: right it's like uh, or, or is the opposite true is it that people are predators are attracted to a system that is you know uh, shrouded in privacy and no sex and they can You know, they they can, I guess the question is like, do you go in there trying to be holy or trying to get away from your sexuality that then bursts out in this aberrant way? Or are you an aberrant monster that goes into the clergy to prey on people?
0: Well, once it's been established, maybe both. But once it's been established, that becomes part of the issue. Because when you're, you're also indoctrinating young children that do get molested by these priests. If you have some altar boys and these priests wind up molesting these kids and they stay in the system, the odds of them turning into molesters themselves, is extremely high.
1: Right. What do you think, uh, why do you think people molest children?
0: Ooh, boy, I think there's probably a whole host of reasons for that, psychological reasons, but I think that a big part of it was being molested themselves. There's some enormous percentage of people who have been molested who turned to become the very thing that victimized them. It's almost like they want to get back... At someone and the best way to do is to attack the innocent it's the only way you can impart that same horror it's crazy it's insane
1: it's also like a kind of weird dark magic it's like why are why are there a certain percentage of human beings that do that kind of the weirdest most aberrant thing do you hear the um there's a really interesting radio lab i think episode that's basically about these kids this kid who realized that he was a pedophile like he that's what he wanted. Whoa. And he realized he'd never offended. Is it a recent one? It's a few years. No, it's old. But he realized he'd never off- he, he had never offended. And so he went to his mother and was like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm a pedophile or whatever. It's like a teenager. And so the mother tried to find treatment for him. But nobody would treat him because it's such a deep taboo of evil that people are like, I don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to treat you and then have you offend and then have it come back on me so basically he would never offended he had these desires and he couldn't get help and he started this organization for other people like him that it's like a support group of pedophiles that have never offended you can't if you've offended you're not eligible for uh membership in this group and you can help each other not it's like Pretty deep in the annals mm. of like the weird dark web or whatever, or I don't know where they find each other, but uh, it's pretty crazy.
0: Have you seen the? Uh, there's there's a whole market that's being developed where they're they're gonna make like artificial children. Oh my god. Um, like a like a sex doll, like a child sex doll, and there's a, this argument Whoa. that that would prevent people from becoming. Pederasts.
1: Wow, that is crazy. Like the ultimate iteration of teledildonics is that it cures uh, pedophilia
0: Well, it's the same argument they would use towards uh, anime anime pedophilia or any any sort of um, You know CGI based pedophilia is that if you could look at child porn That's not real and no one's a victim of it and you lock yourself in your room You could alleviate your desire to have this thing
1: Maybe that's true. But the problem
0: with that is, man, there's the real argument that that's feeding your desire to do that. Because that's what what happens with men when it comes to regular pornography.
1: Just what I was going to say. That would only hold true if it wasn't for the fact that you, if you didn't see something in porn and go, I got to try that.
0: Well, I think the problem is we're looking for a solution. Like, you know, oh, there's a fire, throw water on it. There's no, like when it comes to people and thinking, especially like sexual things and behavioral things, like addictive things, people are messy.
1: Yeah, there's a crazy TED talk. I think it's a TED talk out there. Uh, This woman who's worked with teenage sex offenders like uh, her whole career. And she basically says that we think of that, that at least with teenage sex offenders, which is like pedophilia, teenage on younger pedophilia, the cure and recidivism rate is like it's extremely treatable, right? Like it's very, very treatable. But we look at that phenomenon as you once you are that, you are that forever and you will always reoffend and there's no hope and no going back from it. Mm. And it's not statistically that doesn't hold water. And her point is basically like it is easier for us to think of these people as monsters than to think of them as sick people that could get better. If we can just say like throw them away, they'll never be better, then we can kind of synthesize it into our brain. But in reality – these are it's messy just yeah, like you said. if
0: you b- even bring that up what you just said you're a th- sympathizer,
1: right? You
0: know that these people are monsters and I think the idea is that you know We were talking about spectrums like they're like say if you get a hundred thousand people right what how many of those hundred thousand people? Feel like they were born into the wrong sex. Mm -hmm. You know how many how many of those hundred thousand people have some bizarre sexual attraction to body parts or to uh, underage people or to older people? You know, vulnerable people. There's Mm -hmm. there's a bunch, and to to what causes those things? There's a host of different reasons, but. It's so messy and so complicated for people that to defend, especially to defend pedophilia, in any way. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's
1: a radioactive.
0: Yeah, you want to kill those people. That's it. The solution is kill them. Kill them. Black and white. Kill them. It makes sense. Yeah,
1: everybody in this in this makes every player in this story makes sense. You know where it doesn't make sense? Hmm. History. Oh right, because they used to have different views of it. Yeah, well, it doesn't make sense that everybody
0: that was like. You know, you go Socrates, Plato, I, know. I mean, you go through the
1: line, they were all monsters. <laughs> There's a quote, uh, I, I, I've never been able to verify if it's real, but the, uh, they say the Persians said, a woman for duty, a boy for pleasure, and a melon for ecstasy. <laughs> Whoa, why a melon? <laughs> fuck a melon, I guess. Do they fuck the melon? I mean, I Do they think, think they it's they eat a... it because it
0: tastes good? That's ecstasy because they live in fuck the them. desert?
1: I'm pretty sure they fucked the a melon.
0: Jesus, why would you fuck a melon? It's hard on the outside. I think they would chafe your dick. That doesn't seem like a good move unless you like that's, bevel the
1: edges. That's my fourth, my fourth special. Don't <laughs> fuck, fuck the melon. <laughs> don't fuck
0: the melon. <laughs> bevel <laughs> melon the edges. <laughs> just, <laughs> a melon for ecstasy. How is A melon for ecstasy. Oh wow, that's so strange. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I mean that's what people have said that have gone over to Afghanistan too, right? A lot of soldiers have said that it's, it runs rampant over there, right? And that. Child sex abuse. Can child dolls keep pedophiles from offending? One man thinks so. He's been manufacturing yeah. them for clients for more than 10 years. Is there any images of these things?
1: Yeah. Um, uh Is it weird? I'm not going to show it online, but I can show you guys if you want to. Yeah, have. show it to us. No, doing, thank you. You don't want to see? No, I'll see. Uh, I just want to be on record saying no, thank Scroll you. Scroll up. Okay, I had to go to the website. It's um, a Japanese boy. website. And I had to translate Jeez,
0: it. here we go. Oh, boy. English. you got to get a tour browser. Oh, Jesus oh, dude. Christ. Oh, Boy, I don't Yo-i. know about this.
1: Okay, all right. Wow, that's weird. They're fucked up, man. You just
0: got racist as fuck. Forget about your cultural appreciate. You mean the dolls, oh. or you mean <laughs> the Japanese? Wait, Which what did I saying? do? You said they're fucked up. They are. Do you mean the Japanese, or do you mean the oh dolls? no, I meant I'm the silently dolls? Judging no. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> not so silently, dude. This yes. is I, this yeah. is really let's, wild. Let's man. turn this off, yeah. especially as a guy with daughters. I'm not. really, uh, really Yeah, that's at that. uh. Fuck. I don't have any daughters. Can you throw it back up? Actually, <laughs> throw it back up. That's and... that's. I don't have a son either. You got any boys?
1: <laughs> any, you have any melons? Any young? You butts? throw some melons up yeah, there. Yeah,
0: it's uh, what we're looking yeah. at. They look like they're about ten. It looks like maybe younger even. I uh, that was disturbing. Oh, um, man, and the idea is that somehow or another, that's going to be able to stop people from molesting kids by fucking that rubber doll. Or is it gonna charge up their desires even further?
1: I, yeah, that's a crazy, I don't know. I have no no way to, I wouldn't want to fuck a doll, by the way. Well, that's
0: the number one argument against pornography, not pornography rather, prostitution. Uh-huh. The number one argument that I've ever heard against it, because I, I feel like a grown woman should be allowed, like there's all sorts of levels of prostitution. Like here's the level, Here's here's an acceptable level. A woman who likes to give massages, Say, if you're a woman and you're a massage therapist and you have a, a, a select group of clients and you enjoy giving those men massages, you're giving them some sort of phys- physical pleasure with their body. You could have the same sort of deal with a bunch of people and give them sex. Right, sure. And that's all it is. It's just, uh, and you like them, they're your friends, you hug uh-huh. them, they give you some money, and sure. you, you thank you, I'll see you next Tuesday, you're going to keep your Tuesday appointment? Yeah, yeah. I'll see you Tuesday. The guy looks forward to Tuesday, he sees her on Tuesday, they get together, she, you know, she gives him a back rub, she lights some candles, they have sex, he gives her money. That's, to me, that's a victimless crime 100%, but... Then you get into the idea of sex slaves. You get into the oh, idea sure. of indentured sure.
1: child sex slaves. And there's actually a crazier argument, uh, not crazier, but a more, a more, even more compelling argument for the the moral good of prostitution, which is that there are these prostitutes that only sleep with uh, severely dis- disabled people. Yeah. And I heard this radio special, and it. it was very interesting. This guy, he himself was a radio producer, but also had Lou Gehrig's disease, and he said it's very similar to pedophiles, actually we like to think of disabled people as having no sex drive. As when they became disabled, their sex drives were disabled as well. And the reason we like to think of it, similarly, we like to think of pedophiles as monsters because that simplifies that, is it's nice for us to think of disabled people like not having horniness because they can't get laid. I mean, if we're being frank, there are certain levels of disability that it's very difficult to find a partner. You know, mm. you're you're intense to look at or you're drooling all over yourself or yeah. but you're still just as horny as every other person. So there was this radio special of these sex workers that go and they fuck or jerk off these severely disabled people who are so they are so disabled they can't even masturbate. Wow. And it's like I heard that and I was just like I went from going like it prostitution is something I sort of agree with to like these people are heroes. Yeah. These are like miracle workers.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not a whole lot different than massaging those people. that are mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, one of the key, I don't know if you've ever heard of Rolfing. You've ever heard sure, of Rolfing? Yeah. It's one of the best therapies for injuries to recover. It breaks up fascia, and mm-hmm. it's a really brutal deep tissue massage it doesn't feel good at all. It's very painful. But they
1: massage it inside of your mouth and your nose, too. Do they? There's like a Rolf 10, and one of the ten, there are 10 different treatments, and one of the 10 is the... Soft palate of your mouth and inside of your nostr inside your nose. Wow, it's real intense.
0: Why do they do that?
1: I don't know. Some theory.
0: I don't know if I'm gonna fucking just go on a theory and let you stick a rod no, up my nose. I, I mean,
1: no, they it's their fingers.
0: Oh come on, you're not even supposed to pick your nose, dude. Man. I don't I had, know. Like you're talking to a guy who's had nasal surgery because my nose was broken so many times. Uh-huh. I had deviated septum surgery where they went in and they had a cut parts of my nose out that calcified. Oh Jesus! They're going in this gal's oh, nose. Oh, it's so intense! I Seventh hate it. I hour hate structural it. integration nose work oh. for insight. Exp- Yo, that is crazy. Yeah, I think that's some asshole that wants to stick their finger up your nose. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. N- nasal doctors tell you not to pick your nose. Yeah, it right. It can cause infections. It's very close to the uh, bloodstream. The thin, the um, skin is very thin on the inside of your yeah. nose. That's why picking your nose is dangerous because right. you can get infections. and infection goes right to your bloodstream. It's right very very close crazy. to your brain. Yeah, Um what we talking? Oh, so Rolfing. So like, what they do is um, Ida Rolf, the woman who invented Rolfing.
1: I think that's her name. No, it's cre- the dog from the Muppets. I don't think that's the Rolf the dog. I don't think that's the, same. the piano player. No, it's not the same Rolf. Rolf. No, no, I no, thought no. it was that guy. All right, go ahead. I,
0: th- I think the woman invented it because her son had cerebral palsy. It was one of the best ways to alleviate some of his muscle issues was Mm -hmm. this intense form of manipulation because he had become so bound up by his disease that she had figured out a way to loosen up the tissue so that he had more range of motion i found some great relief with that stuff but it's ruthlessly painful yeah
1: i've had some rolfing done too it's 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 nice but it's also awful it's great in its result but yeah. man it's brutal i wanted to make one final point about because I, f- I think i figured out how to make my cultural appropriation point uh i don't want to take us back too far but i think what we're what we're doing is like and we came to a good place with it's like what we're talking about—it's all about language, right? So cultural appropriation. Your immediate reaction is that's absurd, and some of the examples people use is absurd. Mm-hmm. But the, the the underneath the racism is just—we're talking about racial insensitivity. We're talking about being right. insensitive, and if you try to just focus on that, then you can get to like the reality of what's happening. And what uh, the original point I wanted to make was, in this article I read about it, it said that we often get locked on these linguistic. The, the the boat that the concept floats in on, the absurd boat. So, like, Black Lives Matter is the ultimate example he gave. I just thought this was such a fascinating point, is, like, Black Lives Matter is the name of the organization that is there to fight against police brutality and killing of black kids, right? Mm-hmm. And people react to the words, right? So people go, what are you talking about? Black Lives Matter. All Lives Matter. Blue Lives Matter. And basically, if you... You don't acknowledge that it's Black Lives Matter too, which is really obvious, right? You're fighting about the words Black Lives Matter where we haven't been talking. You've left the, the foundation principle behind like a long time ago, which is police brutality. No one's even talking about police brutality anymore. Right. Now they're just talking about the language that you chose to call your group. Right. So at any rate, I think that was the, the thing I was trying to say.
0: No, that makes sense. Look, all of it makes sense if what is going on is people are being racist. Mm -hmm. Right. If someone is doing something, if racial inappropriation or sexual or um, cultural inappropriation at the heart of it it involves racial insensitivity or racist insensitivity.
1: But there's there's difference. Right. Racist. Theoretically racist is. And again, racism is a word that doesn't have a lot of use anymore either, because you describe the same phenomenon of you saying to like your black friend, like. Wow, I didn't expect you to be so articulate. You mean well, right? <laughs> you mean you you're trying yeah. to be polite. Right. Or I don't like black people. They're they're bad. Right. These are the same it's the same word to describe both of those things, right? Right. So, insensitivity is is not overt and aggressive racism. Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, 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 it's insensitive it's insensitive racism like you're not being sensitive to the possibility that you're saying something offensive or
1: just doing something boorishly dumb now i agree yeah. with you that logic's more important than that than that but i think you know the more aware we can all be about how to not be a dick the yeah. better
0: It's like people want to say, um, you know, you could never have All in the Family on TV today. Could you imagine? People would go crazy. Well, yeah, that's because we moved past that. (laughs) I mean, that's what's going on. What's going on is there's a process. And one of the things that's disturbing to people about Trump and what's disturbing to people about this new um, freedom to mock Jews or to point at them as the root of all evil, and that it's much more open than it's been before, is that we thought we got through that and Mm -hmm. that Slowly but surely, the demonization of individual groups, in, in terms of you know like who who are the bad guys and who are the good guys, and instead having it been boiled down to activities and behaviors and individual human beings that are the problem, right. not not giant groups of people that believe in one god versus another god, which is what it's been historically. Right. The idea is that as time goes on. And as people like my people, the Italians, become so integrated that you can't be racist about us anymore. Right.
1: It doesn't work. Right, totally. I mean, it really doesn't work. Yeah. It's one of the best examples of it. And, totally uh, it's it's fascinating because there's so many things that are there still and you're like They don't have any charge or power any longer.
0: Not only that there's so much gross behavior by Italians. that it just goes <laughs> Unchecked, uh-huh. you know, and I think the Sopranos is probably responsible for a lot of that.
1: I was in Italy uh, Last year and I was walking home real late at night. and I saw this guy He's got his girlfriend up against the car and he's fucking like going off on her And I'm like this little like liberal American boy like is somebody going to call the police? And nope. then I kind of st- stood there for a while longer, and he's screaming in her face. And then I just, like, looked for about, like, two or three minutes. I go, oh, this is just some Italian shit. <laughs> 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 and I just walked home. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, realized, like, oh, there's nothing happening here. Oh, yeah. They used to, That's what they used to do,
0: you know. I and mean, they still do it over there. When I was over there, my driver, we had this uh, cab driver. And this motherfucker was a cartoon. Oh, he yeah. was driving and driving like a maniac and then he would pause. Oh, mamma mia, look at this girl's ass. And no, Italy is, like.
1: Italy is so Italian. It There are parts of how Italian it is that will boggle your mind. Like a dude smoking a cigarette on a Vespa with a girl sitting sideways and, and everything is yeah. like the most Italian thing you could ever imagine.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny Like because uh, I went there with uh, my family. And my wife was like, oh, so this is where you get your shit from. Uh-huh. Like, it's like you're, you're from a group of eight people. Uh, Italy's the the best. Yeah.
1: The best place. It's fun. Oh, we went to
0: the Malfi Coast. God, it's pretty. Is
1: incredible. So good. So pretty doesn't even look real. Yeah. It's it's insane. I mean, Italy's like a jewel box. Yeah. It's just everything. Uh, and you, the further into it you go, the more pretty it gets.
0: I heard Sicily's
1: really beautiful, too. I never went. I
0: haven't even either. I but, went uh, up
1: to Tuscany, and I drove all through there, and me and natasha found like this the bath cities these like cities where the romans would come to bathe and it oh, was like you know wow. how every italian italian city has a like a town square mm-hmm. this had a town pool in the Whoa. center of it and it was so cool and weird and there was this big old mount like mound of sulfuric residue this like soft white mountain it's called fiasso B- B- F- Faso bianco And it's this big white mountain of like soft, chalky, sulfuric residue that the the soda water has been falling on it for so long that it's carved these pools into it. And they're like little hot tubs that you can get into on this mountain. And Italy's bananas.
0: Wow. We wanted to go to, um, what's the place where the volcano went off and everybody died?
1: Stromboli? Oh, Pompeii.
0: Pompeii. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to go to Pompeii. We never got around to it. I thought that would have been fascinating to see with these people just hanging out and all of a sudden lava and... Ash covered everybody, and they froze in their tracks and died there. Pompeii is a wild place for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's also interesting to go to Europe because you realize how old everything is. Yeah, oh, these this culture has been around for thousands of years here.
1: Well, brings us back to the beginning, which is the Roman Empire. Yeah, and it's just like you look at the artifice, the uh, the kind of like residue of the. All, the hugest society that has ever existed. I mean, the Colosseum. They they made they killed so many animals for sport. They put certain animals in, out of business, like they extincted some animals. Really? Yes. Like which ones? I don't know. They don't they don't have them anymore. But like certain like kinds of animals that they would import and import and import, and they're just like, yeah, we killed them all. It's <laughs> just for sport. It's not for any other reason. When we were in the Colosseum, they were
0: explaining where the. Um they had those elevators that would take the animals up from the ground floor and open the the floor up and then the animals would pop through and they would do battle with them but they were talking about how they had to raise up the side of the fences because the lower levels where all the rich people sat hilarious and they were getting jacked by lions the best like the lions figured out how to jump up and get the people that were at the top
1: fuck yeah we need to get some lions back to get those (laughs) billionaires with their yachts and just eat them yeah how much money do you have to have to
0: Put 1.5 billion of it into a boat.
1: Uh, That's so crazy I had a friend who bought a boat for like 60,000 and he took it for one ride Crashed it into the pier put it in the garage for two years and then sold it for 20,000. So he took a $40,000 boat ride. Oh Jesus
0: Christ Yeah, that's what they say. It's a hole in the water where you pour money into it, right? Yeah, but if you like to fish See the cool thing about boats is that when you, like, if you say if you have something and you go out, Marina Del Rey, you, and you just go out into the water, you can kind of go wherever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no road. Right. But you can go wherever, it's. but, it, you know, it's all f- water. So you can go left and right, and as long as you don't hit an island, you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want.
1: Did you see that Maiden Voyage documentary? What was that? It's about this, like, 14-year-old or 16-year-old girl that sales around the world by herself Oh yeah I heard so about good. that I heard so about interesting it. Who the fuck are her parents I mean they're some northern european danish like
0: Permissive-ass white people. Ass white
1: people. Yeah. They're like White
0: people that don't have poverty. That's right. Yeah, Go <laughs> yeah. around the world. What happens when you idea. don't have poverty? Like, make sure you sh- call when you land.
1: Maybe you should get some poverty, actually. That'll yeah. give you a little bit more to do
0: with your life. Well, you've got to think that the negative aspects of certain societies do create some sort of a rebound effect from those negative aspects.
1: No shit. They didn't make yeah. rock and roll in Sweden. That's they didn't make right. hip-hop in fucking Denmark. That's right. They didn't make all these, like, you know, vaudeville and stand-up comedy. I mean, yeah. this all came from... People of oppression. And that's why. Think about yourself. Yeah.
0: I mean, think about like you growing up with a deaf mom, being poor and all that craziness that you went through when you were a kid, like that kind of, all that, uh,
1: it pushes something through. It's totally true. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and have been raised rich with normal parents, not for a million dollars. No way.
0: No, not now. Once you've
1: already done it. But I I wouldn't have wanted it to have been done in a different way. I like the trauma.
0: Well, also, you know that you made your, well, a lot of people helped you, but you made yourself. Right. Whereas Easy. if your parents were Trump, right, you know, or your parents were the Rockefellers or whatever, and they gave you this monthly
1: stipend. You know, fuck, man. Who are you then? Who is yeah. Trump? He's the same. Ver- he's the same version. Exactly. He, he started from nothing. I mean, he started from two million dollars, f- from two million bucks from his father, who was one of the richest people in upstate New York. And now, who is he? Yeah. Is he? Is, what is he like when the lights are off? I wish oh. I could have a fucking a feed of Trump's brain when the lights go down. That's oh, probably chaos. What is he thinking? Is he like I'm killing it, or is he like What have I done?
0: I think there's got to be both.
1: Yeah, I think there's got to be.
0: Uh, well, he doesn't drink and he doesn't do drugs, right? And I think there's got to be a part of his brain that's pushing down the what have I done and Reinforcing doubling down on the I'm the greatest I'm the best I mean, that's why he kept saying about his inauguration numbers. There's so many people were there. And even when they told him that it wasn't the case, he fought it. Then when he kept parroting, not just parroting to friends, but doing it to the news, doing it to the press, that he got the largest number of electoral college votes. That's crazy.
1: It's psychedelic narcissism. It's like it's so far out there. It starts to seem like, whoa, you're bending reality. And it actually is bending reality. He's he's done a fascinating job of just making people not know what's real anymore. And no one knows what's real anymore. And Syria is the ultimate example because it's unclear what is real there. Yeah. like no one knows what the right thing to do is who are we attacking and why what are we trying to stop you sent bombs to the people that are fighting ISIS to fight those people from doing chemical warfare on their own people but then we also are fighting ISIS with them and then the, it's just the whole thing you're just like I give up yeah, you, well, you how about win
0: Ron Paul was saying that the chemical ca- attack doesn't make sense so certain <laughs> <Right>. certain <laughs> Republicans are actually looking at I mean is Ron Paul technically Republicans more of a libertarian than anything but they're looking at it and saying like this this might not even be real
1: i mean i just well i heard this great thing about how no one in israel believes that Rabin was killed by yigdal amir the jewish guy like that they they believe in that basically hearing a conspiracy theory that widely believed in a country that isn't my own made me realize how wildly desperate for conspiracy theory everyone is right It like somehow the distance where it was like oh it's israel it's not really me made me go like oh this is so interesting like Everybody wants to believe... It wasn't one hour until they were saying that the chemical attack by Assad was not real. Even though Assad has done gas-based chemical attacks on his own people before, and his father did before him, somehow this one was like, no, 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 this is fake. It might be fake. That's mm. what's so crazy and mind-bending. It might be fake. And yet... I don't buy any conspiracy theories anymore because I know how desperate people are to believe them.
0: Well, this was the same scenario that led Obama to make that speech saying that we need to go into Syria. Right. And the whole American people went, fuck that, because we were deep in the Iraq war, deep in the Afghanistan war. And that was when, this, I think that was 2013 or 14, but Trump made quotes. it's crazy. That he tweeted like what does the US have to gain for going into Syria? We should be America first and then winds yeah. up acting almost instantaneously. Yeah, I know. When it happens. But
1: people keep dropping these like you said this yeah bombs at Trump's feet like he cares about intellectual coherence or yeah. hypocrisy. He exactly. doesn't care. He's a fucking rat trapped. He's trapped in a corner of a maze and he's going like, What the fuck do I do? Oh yeah. I'll just do this. It's so it's so transparent, like thirty five percent approval rating. Everything is you're you're collapsing under your own weight You have the house and the Senate and you can't get anything done. No one likes you. You're the worst So what do you do? You fucking make, make something explode. It's just such a Terrible recipe if something actually goes wrong. Oh, yeah, like
0: Syria is a, a minor issue No, one died totally. They bombed some airfields. They ruined some you know some ground I agree Ble- Ruined some airships um, some some um, planes But what happens if something really goes down and that guy is the the figurehead?
1: That is the difference between the Roman Empire and this empire is that the Roman Empire didn't have the power to press a button and destroy like half the countries on earth. And we do. So that's the scary part. Come to the Comedy Store this Saturday (laughs) night. Yeah, let's wrap it up. with Depressing. Um, I'm, up doing, depressing? I'm doing. I'm doing a show on Comedy Central. I should probably yeah. mention.
0: Yeah, You you briefly mentioned it earlier, but tell everybody what it is. April 18th, we debut.
1: It's called Problematic. Problematic. Yeah, I'm excited about it.
0: Why do you call it Problematic? And why do you look like Hitler?
1: Because <laughs> it's problematic. Uh, we're basically. I mean, that doesn't even look like you. That's what a weird photo. You don't think? I think it's. I think I look cute. You do look cute. Thank you. But you look like
0: you're 19 years old, I and you like still that. live with your mom.
1: Yeah, I still live with my deaf mom. I'm still. Running in Bart trains. Um, basically, it's a theme. Every week is a theme with of some of the, you know, the the undercurrents of society. We're talking. We're not talking politics. We're talking about like the the, the tectonic plates underneath them. You know, mm-hmm. so cultural appropriation, how the internet's changing our brain, the dark web, all these kind of like, you know, a lot of the fun stuff that you like to go to too. You know, just these big big concept, big ideas, and it's a like it's a talk show where oh and the other cool thing is it's very donahue so we go out into the audience and oh, nice. let people ask questions and get on on uh, up and say their piece and so
0: you do it in front of a live crowd
1: yeah in front oh. of a live audience and
0: so some of it's done in the field and then you bring it back and show it to the audience yeah
1: and like so like we this week it, we're we're doing the how they how technology is changing us we have this guy nick carr that wrote the shallows on and um and it's a couple of comedians to make it fun and funny and uh basically uh every week is a different topic and uh and we ask a question and hopefully we get to the bottom of it. Did you should come on sometime, Joe?
0: I would love to. What do you want me to do?
1: I don't know yet. What do you think you would yeah, I'll send you some to- I'll send you all the topics and we'll but we'll yeah, uh, figure something out. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's it's uh it's perfect for it's perfect for people that like this show because it's like real conversations. It's not like it's an actual, I think people are desperate for that. I think Yes. That, you know, I think you, you are actually kind of ahead of the curve on the real conversation thing, but I think people are like podcasts in general are, I think it's so interesting that we are simultaneously like making technology and entertainment shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And there's things like your show where they're like two hour episodes. It's like at the same time, people are driven to distraction. They're also like trying to, they're desperate to get some depth and uh, hopefully that's what we'll find.
0: Well, it just fills a different a different void that's uh, available in entertainment, mm-hmm. Like especially when people are driving. Like if you're driving for long periods of time, which a lot of people listening to this right now are doing. Yep. Hi, everybody. How you doing, drivers? Tune in. If you're on a plane flight and it's going to take you 14 hours, and yep. you downloaded a bunch of podcasts, that stuff is the best. It's like you can just sit there and chill and it, it allows you to enrich your mind because you you listen to these conversations and you feel like you're there yep and you you also know this is like the thinnest sort of organization available It's like as bare bones as it gets this is
1: lean yeah but it's you know it, that's the part of its beauty i mean that's and that's the difference between the sh- making a show and podcasting is podcasting's awesome because you can find the kernel in like minute 48 Right. you like, oh, I found what that episode was yeah, about. Yeah, like
0: we've done a couple of times in this conversation, go back to things and mm-hmm. see how they're connected. But we don't have an executive standing over our shoulder telling us to hit all the data points. Right.
1: So I hopefully, and by the way, Comedy Central has been, and I not just saying this as a company, man, they've been cool about saying like, go, Get weird They
0: kind of have to now
1: Yes, I totally agree
0: They're locked into this spot like, oh my god, everyone's going away There's no one left on television Exactly And they have have South Park, which is the best And then they have Tosh, which is a monster Mm -hmm. And they don't have much else
1: Yeah, yeah They got another period My lovely wife's show What is that? Oh, you never seen it? It's really no. funny. Is it, it on right now? It's on, yeah. It'll be its third season is uh, this summer. I've I wrote and, and and produced that show for the last few years, but it's uh, It's been on for more than a year? Yeah, this is, it'll be third season. Jesus this uh Christ I God. mean there's too much TV, Joe. There's just yeah. there is too much TV. That,
0: it used to be when a comic had a show, it was a big
1: deal. I know. It's crazy. A comic getting his own show is now a comic doing like uh, doing uh, Comedy Central presents or, or premium yeah. blend. Yeah. You know, it's like the same equivalent. And the young comics are so funny because they like, they think they deserve a show. And it's like, really, this used to be me thinking I deserve to go to like Montreal. Is right. like them thinking, where's my network show? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. That's so weird. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. What a weird time, man. It definitely is. It but is I, a weird time. But, but you have I, a podcast too, right? Oh, I do, yeah. I, I do a podcast. Oh, I you still need to come <laughs> on too. I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, it's called the Hound Tall Discussion Series. And it's basically what led to this uh TV show on Comedy Central which was that we were getting we get one expert on and it's in front of called lo- the
0: Hound Tall instead of the Town Hall? Yeah. Kind of the little play yeah, on words? Yeah, the
1: little play on words. that was you expect people to remember that? No, ill-advised, bad name. <laughs> I'm willing to admit that. You know, about three episodes in, I said to the, the listeners, I was like, uh, I'm willing to change this name. I'm change thinking it. it's stupid. They all were like, no, we like it now. So oh, I, well, said, don't
0: listen to them in the first place. They're the ones who are willing to <laughs> wa- listen to it with a crazy name.
1: So we basically get an expert on, and we have that person try to give a talk in his field of expertise while comics riff over it. Oh. So it's like Mystery Science Theater meets a TED Talk kind oh, of. Oh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. So every every so that's kind of what led to the T V shows that every week is a different topic and this is every episode is a different topic. So, so
0: you enjoy doing this conversational sort of thing. It was fun.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I, I I'm into like you are, I'm into like big ideas and big conversations. It's harder to have big conversations in bite sized you know, is it half half hour? Half hour. I'd like it to get to be an hour. If 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 all goes well, I'd like that to happen. Yeah,
0: especially. I mean, you're dealing with things like cultural appropriation. I, mean, I know. Just the opposing sides are going to take more than 15 minutes.
1: Exactly. It's a electric. Uh, it's electric. The full tapings have been really fun and electric, and then you have to like squeeze them into 22 minutes. So yeah. we're going to be ex- releasing a bunch of extended uh, stuff. Like we had MC Search on. It was really a great conversation. Had MC Search on to talk cultural appropriation. Did he keep it real? So real.
0: Did he keep it really real?
1: I mean, is this a a bit? Yeah.
0: (laughs) MC Search used to have the worst talk show in the history of the known universe. And it was so bad. They would play clips of it on Opie and Anthony. Uh And clips of him talking about, we're going to
1: keep it real, y'all. But this conversation I had with Search was so... First of all, I love Search. And he was so... Our conversation about appropriation... I used to love him third base. Yeah, yeah. Great, I mean, he's like the original band. guy. Yeah. And we were t- uh, talking with like a 1981 white rapper about cultural appropriation. was mm. like a really cool, yeah. really awesome... Well, he appropriated the whole
0: deal. He got a black wife and the whole yep. deal. Yep. And he, yep. he went
1: deep. Yeah, he went deep. He went deep. He said something so funny in this interview. I was like asking, him, is it different when white people appropriate? Just what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Is it different when black people appropriate versus when white people appropriate? And he goes. He thinks for a second. He goes, "Well, white people, as a whole, are the devils of society." <laughs> it was like an <laughs> atomic bomb. was like I did not think you were about to say. Well, he's that. white. I mean, it was just so bizarre. Yeah, uh, but anyway. Uh, so every week is a different topic. And is I'm- he a smart guy? I think he's a very smart guy. One of the best storytellers I've ever met. Really? You got to hear his story about how MC Hammer tried to have him killed. It's one of the greatest stories. What? It's one of the greatest stories of all time. Is it, that real? Oh, it's amazing. It's on my po- my old podcast that I did with Neil Brennan, the champs. His episode, uh, MC Search's episode, it's on there. And it is one of the craziest stories you will ever hear in your life. Wow. Yeah. Is, it's,
0: it's real? MC Hammer tried to have him killed? Listen
1: hey, listen to the story. I mean, yes. Do you want me to tell you the story? I can tell you a, ver- a quick version okay. of it. Basically, he did an, uh, a, a song where they dissed M.C. Hammer's mom, right? Oh, Jesus. For some lyrical reason. I mean, it didn't yeah. even— And M.C. Hammer got angry and called the head of the Crips in L.A. <sighs> to put a contract out on their life, right? Oh, my God. So, so Russell Simmons hears about it, right? And they're, third base is in a flight from New York to California, and Russell Simmons hears about it and is like, oh, my God, they're going to kill third base, right? And so he calls the head of the Crips, and it's like you have to take this, uh, uh, you have to dead this uh this contract, please don't kill my clients or whatever. And so the guy, the head of the Crips, is like, I will end this hit on third base, but only if you can get me tickets to the Emmys, uh, to the Grammys, and uh, sitting next to Michael jo- uh, Jackson. And Russell Simmons is like, oh my god, okay. And then he calls Michael Jackson through some crazy series of events and somehow gets to Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson says, okay, I'll let him sit next to me if blah, blah, blah happens. I don't know what it was. Some other weird twist. Bring some robot fuck kid dolls to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the future. Find these fuck kids. Bring them back. And then third base. By the way, they have no idea. They're in the air. They're flying while all of this like, weird machinations are happening. They land. And meeting them at the gate is a crip, a high-level, like, lieutenant crip, right? And he's like, stay with me. There's a contract on your life, and the only way that you'll live through this trip is if you stay right next to me. So they're walking through L.A., and these crips are coming up who haven't, because it's like the crips, you know, they don't have, like, a infrastructure. No <laughs> exactly. So these crips, like, roll up, and the lieutenant would be like, hey, crippy crip, you know, hand sign, stand down. And the crip would be, like, about to kill him, and then would go, Oh, thank God. Search, I'm a big fan, man. Right on. like. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a
1: crazy-ass story.
0: Wow, MC Hammer jumps the gun, huh? Got,
1: uh, a little,
0: got a little crazy there.
1: I mean, indeed. I don't know if it's true, but I know that he told that story. Wow. Anyway. Right,
0: let's leave it at that. Cool. So when does your show start?
1: April 18th, 10 p.m., after Tosh, oh, The Monster. Soon.
0: That's um That's next...
1: Yeah, next, next Thursday. Thursday. Yep. Thursday. Yep, next Thursday is our first episode.
0: Oh, right after Tosh. It's a sweet spot too. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. they i banking on Moshe.
1: I hope so. All I'm, right. I'm banking on me too.
0: Well, thanks, brother. Let's do this more often. Uh, I'll do please. yours next. Yes, please, okay. please. All right.
1: Thanks, Joe. This was Bye, awesome. Bye, everybody. That was awesome. Yeah, it was.